Hello everyone and welcome to Ultimate Despair Reprise, a Danganronpa recap podcast going through the entire series one murder at a time. I am your ultimate host, Kyrie, and I am joined as always by... I'm uh, Jennifer Uncle. I forgot my ultimate title, so I'm basically the protagonist from a different Danganronpa game. I'm Jackie Platinum, the ultimate not-continuity paying attentioner, so... That's basically my shtick. Hi, I'm Inez. I'm the ultimate so-and-so. Great. So we got three mysterious ultimates. Three mysterious ultimates have arrived in this classroom. I hope everybody's done their homework. Uh, your homework assignment for this particular episode was the prologue of Danganronpa 1, otherwise known as Trigger Happy Havoc Danganronpa, and the daily life sections. Well, it's it says on my sheet that the homework was to murder someone. Am I going to get credit for this? Did I murder that guy and hide his body out in the woods in a shallow grave for nothing? Well, your tenacity is appreciated. You'll get it like a you'll get points for effort. Um I think we should just start start by talking about the game. Um so the very first moment that you turn on Danganronpa, I had almost there's so many elements of this game that I had completely forgotten about or it just kind of slipped my mind. So the moment you click new game, it starts playing this wild movie. Yeah, Monokuma ices a dude in the first ten seconds. Fucking frigid. He just puts that guy down. I mean not 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 just like ices him, he puts him on a rocket and like sends him out into space. And then he falls back through the atmosphere. I think that I think that's pretty soundly icing the dude. I think that's I think I think if you want a dude dead, that's a very very effective way to do so. Well, Jen, local scientist, is it true that if you get sent into space on a rocket without protective equipment, you get iced? Yeah, and I think it also helps when you fall back to Earth, uh, nose first, and you drill into the environment a little bit, which seemed to be happening there. So. uh... Yeah, I really love that opening movie. Uh, It's still so, like, in a way, it does perfectly capture the mood. Like, it's so creepy and bizarre. And then you see the weird-ass sun and moon. Um, And then when the rocket, like, just, like, lands and the door opens, it's a cartoon skeleton. Which is really funny. We'll be touching on that. We'll be touching on that opening again sometime in the future. Oh, yeah, because... That like I can already tell you that <laughs> that uh, that. I'm pretty rock- sure he legitimately does kill somebody that way at some point. It's not the only time he does that. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> we have only just begun. Monokuma is just really fucking breaking our budget. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, where do you I, think like, he's? If you have, if you- like who's funding him? Jeff Bezos? Like, come on. Well, yeah. He's well, it's is <laughs> that's my pitch for Danganronpa four. Once the the cutscene ends, you're treated to this very upbeat music. Yeah, like and where we get introduced to our boy. It's Big Matt. It's Makoto Naegi. The uh, soundtrack was done by Masafumi Takata, uh, which you may know from his work on God Hand and Vanquish. So it's really funny to like. I think did he do the Killer Seven soundtrack too? Yeah, he's done a bunch of uh, pseudo games like Killer Seven and No More Heroes. 
now now I'm kind of just imagining Danganronpa set to like really shitty low budget surf rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like as uh, the trials are going on, you hear the surf rock from the God Hand, which is not shitty. I love the surf rock so goddamn much. That soundtrack is so fucking good. I mean, I mean, I mean, the the I think the idea behind that soundtrack was it's it's supposed to evoke like very low budget movies of like. Yeah, it's supposed to be like surf Nazis must die. Oh wait, what? It, it, it's a trauma movie. Surf Nazis must die. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> that's a digression believe. for another day. Yep. Anyway, we actually so have things we, we need to talk about this episode. Right, like the opening scene with Makoto. He's so. I was gonna say like we were getting really we were getting really uh, sidetracked, but um. Uh, but as yeah, as I was saying, you know, uh, he uh, our our hero Makoto Naegi introduces himself as, oh, I'm just a regular average high school boy, and it's my ass, dick, and balls. You are like, come on, you <laughs> absolutely are not like. Yeah, like he, he, like he even says this like weird line was like, well, I guess one thing that makes me different is I have a little bit more like what gumption or something. Yeah, he's like, I have a little bit more. Um, I think he actually does use the word fucking gumption. <laughs> he's more upbeat than the rest of his classmates or people his age essentially like he'll, he'll talk about how um, he i thought i i thought that the point was that he's a little bit more like driven like he has a little bit more tenacity i don't think i don't gumption very much does not mean upbeat i, I guess that's some of my experience with the game um flowing into because just the way that he talks about himself and the way that he talk he compares himself to other people he seems a lot more upbeat than everyone else. Even though he will talk about how I like all the I like all the mainstream bands that people like to joke about. So I imagine at some point he went through a uh, Nickelback phase or something, or a Foo Fighters phase. Hey, shut the, shut the fuck, fuck up, up about Foo Fighters. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> My favorite stand. Um, Foo Fighters is great. Yeah, but so. So Makoto Naegi, made out of plankton, is um he's an extremely normal boy aside from the whole made out of plankton thing. Made out of plankton. My little plankton boy. He's fucking Call dumb. Him. Like first and foremost, really fucking dumb. He just like gets hit he gets hit in the back of the neck with like a sleep dart and he just like wakes up at a desk and he's like, Oh ho, ho, I must have fell asleep. Like, shut the fuck up, Makoto. <laughs> you stupid asshole. He he kind of he kind of is he kind of is a little dumb kind of at the beginning. Uh, I I do like that during the uh opening he spent his time going on 4chan and just like trying, trying to, to figure out to who the heck his other classmates were using 4chan using like like well it's it's two I I think I think the intent is more 2chan which it's, I don't think 4chan but... are accurate analogs I just. 4chan's the fascist fascism what, website. No, did you were I mean I mean 4chan is, is also what? the English speaking website. 2chan two, two This chan is a Japanese is, game. Is this is a Japanese game. So Jed, do you want to tell us how uh so he's talking about the fucking Hope Speak Academy, and the only way you can get the Hope Speak is if you're an ultimate of something. Uh how does Maco- how does our boy how does our boy get into this school? 
Well, it's a situation where I think it's every year. Um, Hook's Peak does a lottery and chooses one non-ultimate student to uh, basically invite to the school um, to participate. And Makoto just happens to be the one this year. And it, it sounds like he does have a little bit of misgivings about that just because he's like, well, I guess being really average um, does end up working out sometimes. But uh, he still seems pretty psyched to be there, which is nice. Yeah, he does describe himself as a tame little house cat about to wander into a pride of lions, which is a hmm. mwah, choice. So he confirms one. that yeah. he's a sub, like right off the bat. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's saying like, it wrong, but everyone, everyone's like he walks in and Sayaka Maizano is already like holding the strap and is just like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, we'll get to Sayaka. you know what comes next. You won't get the Sayaka. Um, but anyway, so you have to be, like, kind of scouted and, like, recruited to this school. So he walks in the front door, and I actually really like this scene because it is very much evocative of just, like, shitty visual novel. Like, think of, like, the most stereotypical visual novel that you can imagine in your brain. It looks like the opening moments of Danganronpa. It is... Like he walks in, it's like, oh boy, I'm I'm a little early for my first day of class, but now that's a thing. Now that's a thing that I kind of want to address. That it does, it it starts that off with a very like, um, I think that the character designs actually like already sell the like sell it in an ironic sense. Like it already sets you up that like, hey, yeah, this is very explicitly like not that and very much a parody of that and i think it telegraphs that very well yeah um also something i I i would kind of like to touch on is is it's hope to academy itself um there there's there's a line in there that 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 states that it was built to raise hope in the nation's future and danganronpa was released in 2010 which was which was for all intents and purposes like Probably the peak of the global recession crisis. Yeah, like, that's a, like hmm. Well, that's interesting to think about because this. Okay, when did Jen? When did distrust <laughs> start being shopped around? Uh I don't know really. Um, I, I mean, if Danganronpa came out in two thousand ten, I would imagine that work on it began. Uh, either like two that like late two thousand eight or two thousand nine, and yeah, there, like and and that I think two thousand eight two thousand nine was like the peak of the recession at least in America. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and I I don't know about globally, but I would imagine that Japan and because our markets are very heavily interconnected, um, the uh, you know Japan and other countries that would be involved in the work were also. Uh, affected. Yeah, frankly, you, you, uh, we could probably make like an entire bonus episode or something about this, but I, I, I just, I just wanted to bring it up because I think, I think it's, it's, it's pretty valuable context for, for Danganronpa the series. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hadn't uh, necessarily thought about like, that. Like, but like, like the idea that the school was built to raise hope in the nation's future is very. Is is itself very is, is is it's very loaded. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. 
Jen, what do you think about all this? Yeah, well, the design of the school, at least from what we know so far, is um, that uh, it's supposed to essentially... And anyone who makes it at Hope's Peak is supposed to be set for life, like they're going out and uh, getting guaranteed jobs and positions within society when they leave the school. And uh, there's definitely the sense of uh, academic elitism that's present that uh, sets a pr- pretty good tone going forward for what they're attempting. Yeah, it's it's it sets a very good it sets a very good like uh, it sets your expectations really well, like. God damn. Right, like like it, it yeah, like for context, we're talking about maybe the first like 3 minutes of this game. Um and it does so much work with like five still images, a little bit of music and um some voice acting. I think real quick, I want to talk about since this was this is kind of Makoto's like big opening scene. Um this game is uh voice acted quite a bit. Um and so in the Japanese version, uh, Makoto Naegi is voiced by Megumi Ogata. You would recognize her voice if you have watched um, Yu-Gi-Oh! in the original Japanese. She's the voice of Yugi Moto. She's also the voice of Sailor Uranus from Sailor Moon. But also, like her most probably most famous role is Shinji Ikari from Neon Genesis Evangelion. And hearing her voice come through is very interesting because she's doing a really good like just plain high schooler voice if that makes sense um but like there's like a little uh, subtlety to it now in english she is voiced by bryce peppenbrook um who voiced kirito from sword art online aaron yeager from attack on titan and caesar zapelli from jojo's part one now jennifer you played uh Dengarampa one in english so i'm gonna occasionally poke you to figure out like how this was done um what is what was what of what do you remember of bryce peppenbrook's like version of makoto uh it, it's pretty memorable to me like he he has this general sense of uh cheeriness to his voice um which goes a bit darker when it needs to and he does he does a pretty good range of emotions that aren't exactly present for a character like Aaron Yeager in Attack on Titan so um yeah, yeah atta- every, most characters in Attack on Titan have exactly one emotion and it's mad but yeah um Bryce Pappenbrook does a pretty good job um with this role I feel like he he doesn't he never really grates on you and when he needs to get mad, it works really well and propels you forward. Yeah, like I remember watching uh, Joseph Anderson's stream of Danganronpa, and he played it in English. And uh, Bryce Peppenbrook does a just a really good job. Like he sounds like he he sounds like a idealized teenager, if that makes sense. It's like he's not like he's an older guy doing a you know younger voice. He's like really capturing that tone um and kind of notes on makoto's design he was designed to be very plain looking but in the on the back of his hoodie is actually a really dope design like you see the first shot in the game is like his like makoto's back and you see his like like his hair is plain but like on the back of his shirt is this this dope like glitchy aesthetic or something to it um this was a due to the fact because the game was initially supposed to be like a third person game like you moved around in a third like with a third person camera um 
Yeah, like um, the design of the back of his hoodie is is it's it's kind of a crosshair. Like um, a... yeah, little. It's like it's like kind of a skull in the crosshairs. Uh, I'm about to look up his uh, jacket real quick, just as a quick primer. Yeah, I, um, I don't remember his skull being there, but I definitely do remember a uh, crosshair there. Uh, yeah. I I I looked I looked it up on Google and it's it's like a gas mask and a yeah it's very like the front of it is very much like he has a standard school uniform but under it is that good good hoodie and um, wearing some bright uh, red Converse as well yeah wasn't wasn't Danganronpa like originally intended to be like more in third person yes it was like like weren't we originally supposed to see like more of that hoodie than than what we do, which is sort of just that part. Yeah, like at the beginning where you're standing in front of the gates. Yeah, the uh, art designer uh, and character designer of the game was told that this was going to be like a third person uh, adventure game sort of thing. Um, anyway, like I, I like Makoto, uh, not Makoto Kusanagi. I like Makoto Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell, but that's not uh, relevant to this conversation. Uh, Makoto Naegi, I think. Um, He's gonna be. He's a fun protagonist um, to kind of go through. Yeah, he's an interesting headspace to inhabit. Like it's it's like kind of nice to to have a character like that. That's that that feels kind of uh, I don't know, like innocent. Like 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 he he's not he's not like as sharp as as you would have maybe expect. Again, the boy fucking dumb. <laughs> but he's also like, but he's but he's like kind of he's a dumb good, as in like he's he's dumb and he also believes that everybody around him he believes in the fundamental goodness of the people around him. Yeah, and that's I think that's a big thing that like that's like a theme for this game. <laughs> uh, the way I see it, Danganronpa. The way I see it, at least with this presentation, is uh, Danganronpa is kind of at a crossroads in this case uh, for me, at least. In that I see, I don't know how the series goes with this. Um, it could either go like you know, oh, he's an idiot for believing that, and I don't really think that it's going to do that because I think we have a lot of works that do that that are immediately dis like forgotten about, um, and don't and Danganronpa has kind of lasted for a very long time, so I imagine that it's going to go uh, in a more nuanced and complicated route of like, well, he believes in. You know, he believes in the goodness of the people around him, and that's what, and that's like, his, and that's a big strength of, of his. Uh... Jen, uh, you and I can kind of like speak to this a little bit, but it is kind of interesting how Danganronpa Two is like an ex, like I, I just kind of realized this. Danganronpa Two is an explicit deconstruction of like Makoto's worldview, but then Danganronpa Three, the anime, is kind of like like just a a celebration of that worldview in a way like a reconstruction yeah we'll get to that stuff when we eventually get to those games but um it, it's just definitely a situation where the the series has a lot of affection for makoto and his ability to push through some pretty messed up shit and um yeah I, I, we should probably get around to talking about the rest of the characters <laughs> It makes sense that we that we have spent quite a bit of time on Makoto himself because he is the he is the headspace that we are actually inside and the one that we're going to be inside of for the entire game. So you know, of course, 
Um, also, a lot of these characters are going to fucking die. So I yeah, kind of. So how do we get? How do we get into this situation, Jackie? How did we get here? Um. So Makoto Naegi, uh, ten thousand IQ brain genius that he is, uh, gets <laughs> gets fucking norted. Uh, he gets sleep darted. Uh, and then he wakes up in a classroom that has had its windows bolted shut. There's surveillance. There's blah blah blah. The fucking whole nine yards. Um, and he just kind of walks down and and is like, "Oh, weird," but not necessarily suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Um. The the whole thing where where he he wakes up like like with, with his head down on a desk. Um. It, it's it's like a pretty overt reference to to Battle Royale, the novel, where oh yeah, where that's kind of explicitly the setup is that they're all on a school bus going to this going to this place and they get gassed placed in this classroom. Also, also the metal plates on, on all the windows are are also direct references to Battle Royale. I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of references to Battle Royale in this. Yeah, um, yeah, Jed, have you ever? Jen, have you ever seen Battle Royale? Have I watched? Have we? Yeah, I have. Um, I've only seen it like once, but um, it was a very good movie. And uh, there's definitely some similarities here and there. The whole premise is also involving getting kids to kill each other and uh, things like that. But I feel like this one benefits a bit for how it's kind of it. Things are a bit more casual than it is in Battle Royale, and we'll get to see. Yeah, it starts. It starts slow. So it starts small. So Makoto wakes up, brain genius, and he walks down the um, hallway, and he um, meets up with the other students. So now let's get through our the next. The let's go down the list. I have these in no particular order. Um, and Jackie and Inez, I just want you to call out after I, you know, read their name and stuff of, do they make it to the end or do they get, uh, fuck, do they fucking beef it? <laughs> um, so first one is Sayaka Maizano, uh, the ultimate pop sensation. She is voiced by Makiko Om- Omoto, who you will recognize as the voice of Kirby from every Nintendo game that has had Kirby voiced. Uh, Veridi from Kid Icarus Uprising, uh, and she was the voice on a phone in Street Fighter Two: The Movie. Uh, when you voice Kirby and Ness from like for Smash Brothers and stuff, you really don't need a lot of other stuff. Um, in English, she is voiced by Dorothy Ilias Fawn, who voiced Meryl from Trigun, uh, Miu from Vampire Princess Miu, and Fujiko Mine from the Castle of Cagliostro. Ah. Castle of Cagliostro. There it is. Thank you. Um, according to the character designer Rui Komatsuzaki, she was the first character designed for this series. Uh, and serves as kind of like the template for all the female characters uh, in the series. Also, I, I think I, I think it's pretty interesting that like that the character designer was told that this was going to be like a third person adventure game. Because like you could definitely kind of see that that like influence, I guess, on on some of these character designs. Like they 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 all have like pretty strong silhouettes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Especially I think at one point. Hair. Yes, I think at one point they were told to like basically think of every character as a protagonist in their own story.
Jen, uh, Sayaka doesn't have many lines, it turns out. Like, did the English, like, stand out to you at all? Uh, no, the, um, there's not much about Meisner that I really, um, there's not much about Meisner beyond, um, some of the things that she says that kind of stood out to me. Uh, her voice lines are, the only real difference is in Japanese, she sounds a little more, um, a little more delicate and unsure of her surroundings, while, um... Yeah, the English voice, um, she's a lot more, she's a lot more standout, and she sounds more like someone that would be part of a band. Like, she has that winning sort of, uh, personality going on until she also get. there are parts within this game where she gets freaked out, and the voice changes quite considerably during that. Yeah, though, there, there, in, in general, there, there's kind of less voice acting in this game than I was necessarily expecting. Uh, Granted, that's because we haven't gotten to the first trial, and all the ah, trials are okay. fully voice acted. I kind of figured that was going to be like how it worked. Um, I do like the little voice marks, though. I think they're. I think they. I think they add. I think they're. I think they're nice because I like because it it gives tone to the text without me having to actually like listen to it. Or because I'm a fast reader, I tend to like s- skip before they're done talking. Yeah. It gives you, like, kind of, like, that voice bark helps you, like, uh, give context to the voice inside your head and how they're supposed to sound. Um, but we'll talk, I think we're going to talk a lot about Sayaka once we get to, like, the next part of this. Uh... Yeah. Um, God. God, Sayaka. Um. Uh, next on the list, we have, uh, I already know Jackie's favorite character, Kyoko Kirigiri, the ultimate question mark, question mark, question mark. You get three guesses as to what her ultimate talent is, and the first two don't count. Um, she's voiced by uh, Hikasa Yoko, who uh, voices Miri Kadenzawa and Eve in Simple Gear, uh, Utako in uh, Hina Matsuri, and uh, Laura in Street Fighter V. And in English, she's voiced by uh, Erica Harlicker, who voiced uh, Videl in Dragon Ball Super and Takamaki in Persona 5, and Yukiko in uh, Meg- in the English dub of Megalobox. Yeah, she's great. Kyoko Kirigiri. Oh yeah, a- she fucking rules. Like, I, I, here's the thing, I trust Kyoko Kirigiri with my life. Like, there, here's the thing, if the character is voiced by Hikasa Yoko, I trust them with my life. Like, they can pull a gun on me, I won't even miss a beat. I'll just be gun. like, okay, you know what, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Kirigiri. It's all part of the plan. It's Kirigiri. all part of the plan. And this is not the first Simple Gear voice actor. <laughs> yeah. Ultimate ultimate voice yep. actor by, by uh, So a little bit of trivia for her. She has this long, uh, like long white flowing hair that um has like braids and ties in it. It's all very intricate. And apparently there was gonna be a scene in which her she cuts her hair, uh, because um the character designer couldn't design couldn't decide if she wanted to have her with short hair or long hair, so there was going to be a plan to have it both. But the producer, um, like he he enjoyed um the long hair quite a bit, um, so he uh said to just kind of keep it, keep it long. Go ahead. Yeah, you. You'll also notice that aside from a few other characters, aside from a few characters, that's pretty much how strands of hair look in this series. Like, <laughs> with very few exceptions, any individual or clumps of hair that are going down will look like that. Um, Jackie, I see a note here by you. I don't like how her hair sits on her head. Uh, that's the note that I put there. 
I because the thing no, it's just it's just the top part of her hair is the thing. Like if you compare it to uh, Sayaka, um, or when you compare it to Sayaka, uh, it just it sits weird. It's weirdly wide, I guess, and it parts at like a, a strange point. Well, yeah, um, we can ar- we can already kind of see that in Sayaka. Like design. when I first saw it, I was my first like instinct was like, oh, she's wearing a wig. This is a false identity. Um. But I kind of figured that that wasn't the case because I feel like that's a lot more, um, like, I feel like that, I, I just, I, like, when you said, like, oh, the haircutting scene was scrapped, I kind of figured, oh, then that's, that, that actually is just straight up her head. Real quick, what do you think her ultimate talent is? Uh, like, ultimate analyzer, ultimate detective or something like that. She seems to be very, like, she, she, she's very, like, reserved but she but she seems to be like considering things yeah i was gonna go with ultimate detective too she's she's like she's quiet and reserved but she's also like very observant and i don't think like she i i think if they're keeping it a secret it's gonna be something relevant to like oh she's gonna come out of nowhere and solve a very important problem because nobody else has their shit kept secret if nothing else, she's a character who definitely has her shit together. Oh yeah, she has her shit together, and she's playing her cards very close to her chest, and I like that. Uh, Jen, uh, how? What do you think of Kyoko Kirigiri? I like her quite a bit. She's a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, she she gets a lot of really entertaining moments, and um, she is in a she's in a position where you. Without getting into much, you end up doing a lot with her um, as Makoto, and um, there's definitely some things later that make me less fond of Kirigiri, but um, that we'll get to that when we get to that. And um, but overall, I, I feel like that I feel like as a character, she's still very strong. I am like I have this sneaking suspicion that she might murder somebody. Uh, if only because, like, if she is, like, the ultimate detective, she would be a kind of a foil of, like, she has her shit together and knows what's up. And, you know, and our good friend uh, Makoto doesn't. And she'll just... She knows how to plan, like, the perfect murder or something. Yeah, like, oh, she pins something on you and is just like, you know, there's no way you can figure it out because I'm... You know, so I don't like I. I'm not confident in this theory, and that's why I don't like subscribe to it too much. But I feel like she she would make for a, an effective antagonist. But it. But also the thing about that is that that's that's a pitch right down the middle. Like you can finger her as the antagonist pretty quickly if that's the case. So she's probably not. Yeah. Alternatively, maybe that's kind of intentional. Is that at this point in the game, you really don't know. Uh, next up, we have the ultimate affluent progeny, which is kind of a mouthful. Um, it's, it's Byakuya Togami. Oh, I love him. He's the ultimate shitty rich kid. Yeah, I hate him. Well, in, in Japanese, he's voiced by Akira Ishida, who voiced, uh, Kawaru from Neon Genesis Evangelion, Gara from Naruto, um, and Katsura from Gintama, among others. And in English... Um, a guy named Jason Wisnov, who voices Nocturne in League of Legends, Monodam in Danganronpa V3, 
and is also the writer and director of There Came an Echo. Yeah, I was looking into this. Jason Wishnov doesn't have a lot of voice acting roles, but he did have writing and directing credits on the game is called There Came an Echo, which was like, I think a story-based, like, like a very sci-fi RPG thing that got a lot of really good, like really big names like Will Wheaton and Laura Bailey and like a bunch of people voiced this game and it has like a 78% rating on Metacritic. So it's like, that's cool. Like, but it's Byakuya Tugami. Fucking ultimate cool guy, ultimate rich kid. It's worth mentioning that um, in between the uh, video game and the anime, um, they have different people reprising, doing certain roles between the two for the English voice. And um, I think a decent amount of fans prefer the anime version to the um, version in the game because in the game, his line readings can get pretty fucking dry sometimes, while um, the anime version has a much more... Rich kid accent, much more um, rich kid accent, where he's being like, "How dare you!" and things like that, and has a lot of lines going like concordantly and various words like that. That's cool. I remember I saw a clip where at one point somebody calls Biakia an ass face, and he goes, <gasps> "Ass face!" Like it's really good. But I adore his uh, Japanese voice actor. Of course, I have a huge crush on Akira Ishida. I love. His voice, his very, like, this is a boy that can go from, like, really, like, he could be, like, the sweetest thing, on the sweetest angel on the face of the planet to, like, ultimate menace in, like, a second. Um, yeah, Affluent Progeny is also a weird title for, in reality, he's more like a CEO. I like him, I like him in the way that I kind of want to punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that he makes me feel that way because it's, it, it elicits a very strong, it, he elicits a very strong emotion despite not having much screen presence at the start. And I kind of like that. And I very, but I also very much want to punch him in the face. Oh, I, I feel like Jackie, you're going to like him more as the game goes on. And Inez, you're going to like him less as the game goes on. That's not really my favorite character, but I, I, I definitely see why you like him. He he he's got he's got that that kind of that kind of twink energy thing going on that I feel like he would appreciate. Right. Uh, one last quick note on Byakuya Togami. He this uh, character, according to the art designer, went underwent like the most uh, redesigns of all the characters. Uh, he was initially going to be just like Makoto's rival, um, but then he kind of became his own character. And the glasses apparently came last. But the sharp white glasses is such a good touch, you know. Uh, Byakuya Togami is a pretty interesting character, and I like him quite a bit. Um, speaking of characters that I like quite a bit and are very close to us, uh, Jen, why don't you take the next character on our list? Okay, so next we have Chihiro Fujisaki, the ultimate programmer. In, um, in Japanese, she's voiced by, uh, Koki Miyata, who plays Hanataro Yamada in the Bleach series, uh, Terufumi Sugimoto in Yamamushi Petal, Emperor Vela the 27th in Crash Nitro. Cart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is before you move on to the English voice. I I wanted to point this out because like 
This voice actor tends to do very, you know, sheepish, very innocent, shy characters. But Emperor Vela the 27th in, a, in Crash Nitro Kart, I listened to a clip. It's this, like, you will submit to me and bow to me, which is very against the type, which is very funny to me. I'm, not, I'm kind of confused by the double duty um, note next to uh, Dorothy Elias Fawn's name. Uh, I... Yes, she's the voice of Sayaka. Um, and she's also the voice of Chihiro in this game. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I now that yeah, I yeah. scroll up, I recognize that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Dorothy Eilis Fawn is playing double duty, voicing both of these characters. According to Kadaka, uh, Chihiro was initially two characters, later merged into one. And Chihiro's birthday is March fourteenth, a reference to Pi Day, which Pi is three point one four. Yep. Oh, three point one four, one five nine, etc. It repeats. All right. Yeah, uh, we love Chihiro Fujisaki here at the Zaibatsu. If you don't thing, like there to... are two characters in this game that I that I trust with my life implicitly: Chihiro and Kyoko. Kyo... Who is Kyoko? Right, that's her name. Kyoko yeah, and Kyoko Kirigiri. Yeah, yeah. And Chihiro Fujisaki, and none of you other motherfuckers are like like just visually imagine me just clinging to the two of them and being like, none of you other motherfuckers <laughs> have any have a modicum of my trust. Yeah, Chihiro is. Is the ultimate sweet baby child who we all love and adore. Aoyasa Hina is also on that list. Well, <laughs> we'll find out, I suppose. Yeah, we'll we'll get to her. Uh, but Jen, um, like, God, we both have a as mentioned in episode zero, we both have a kind of personal connection to Chihiro. I cosplayed as Chihiro, uh, one year. Uh, she's one of my favorite costumes I've done. My hair is actually nice and long now, so I could probably do it again if I wanted to get like a thing um but jen you have a quite an affection for chihiro fujisaki yeah chihiro means a lot to me and uh she's the main reason why i she's the main thing that kept me so attached to danganronpa in the first place and got me to play through two because my impressions of her were so strong in this and we'll probably get this into a get into this in, into a later yeah. episode but that being um, said chihiro spinoff manga when yeah <laughs> I want a I want a Chihiro Fujisaki spinoff manga about her adventures. It'd be great. Next on our list is Kiyotaka Ishimaru, uh, translated as the Ultimate Moral Compass, which is a hell of a way to translate uh, Ultimate Hall Monitor. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he is. Yeah, they they had some fun with, with with some of these ultimate titles, I guess. Yeah, they did. It reminds me a little bit of like some of the translations in Ace Attorney in a weird way. Um, but Kiyotaka Ishimaru, he is voiced by Kosuke uh, Kosuke Toriyumi, who voiced uh, Zaibatsu favorite Linsetsuwa from Thunderbolt Fantasy. Y'all should watch Thunderbolt Fantasy if you haven't. What are you doing with your life? Uh, Junpei Iori in Persona Three. And Guido Mista in uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, Golden Wind. Uh, his English voice actor is Sean Chiplock, who voiced uh, Sabaru from... Uh, Subaru. Or, not Subaru. 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 Yeah, Subaru. From, was it ReZero? Regarding uh, Ray, Zero? Yeah, uh, Ray, Ray Zero. Zero. Ray Zero? Yeah, not... Yeah, like, the the Ray stands for, like, restart, I think. Because okay. the pit, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ray I Zero? Was the only one, I was the only one who watched that in 2016. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kosuke 
Uh, Toriyomi also voices um, Nase Turbine and Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, and also Kiba and Naruto. Yeah, um, and with Iron Blooded Orphans is another connection. Uh, San- Sean Chiplock voiced Dante Morgro, also from Iron Blooded Orphans, and my personal favorite, he is the voice of Rash in the Killer Instinct reboot. It is such a departure from so many of his voices. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of, of voice actors in this game that that have done like a, a lot of stuff that that and like and like their roles kind of overlap in some kind of strange ways. I think it's interesting how like even the choice of voice actor is a way to sell like how weird and disconnected like Danganronpa is or like how Danganronpa can surprise you in a way like it uses the voice actor and your knowledge of them as actors kind of against you in some ways um he was initially designed to be a hot-blooded just exceptional student like a hot-blooded valid victorian um but he later was kind of uh became like a class representative koma suzaki uh it really enjoyed drawing his expressions because he const- he has the ryu eyebrows going on he is constantly pointing and shouting and like having some really fun energy uh he's almost like an owen don like cheerleader in a way yeah i i i I really i really like his introduction um like 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 the way he's introduced is is that like he beats makoto and like and like he he tries to get like makoto fired up but he kind of only gets like an awkward silence in return from makoto which i thought was very funny yeah but he's like he's so satisfied with himself uh, yeah, I I really love um, I really love how Taka just kind of is he's just really out here trying to get like law and order like established like he has everybody meet for breakfast and shit like that rocks. Yeah, let's uh, br- briefly like on that scene like fucking so after they all meet each other this is a little later uh, after the prologue and stuff uh he's like he comes up with the brilliant idea where everybody meets up in the morning for breakfast he comes into your room it goes makoto i've had the best idea everybody should meet up for breakfast every morning so we can get to know each other better and you're like all right cool taka whatever how'd you get my room and then he goes i'm gonna go tell everyone else the good news <laughs> yeah taka's just like he is it's just i i really i really like his energy i think he's he like he is a fun character to engage with, and I'm, like, I didn't hang out, I, I regret that I didn't hang out with him during the Daily Life segments. I'm gonna try and hang out with him during the next Yeah. Week. Jen, uh, you have quite a bit of, uh, you, you seem to like Kiyotaka quite a bit. Tell me about him. Yeah, Ishimaru is just full of energy, and he's so sincere with everything he does that, um, even when he's being a, even if from the outside sometimes his behavior would be seen as a bit, um, pestering, um, you kind of just want to go along with anything he says because it's it's he's very fun to be around. He's someone that is fully committed to living his best life, and even when some of his advice doesn't really apply to someone like you, like it, it, he he strikes me as the kind of person who is way into life hacks and. Uh, <laughs> Um, he is constantly t- texting you life hacks that he got off of Instagram. Yeah, just finding it. Fi- oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, just like, I figured out how to microwave an egg in a bowl, and now I can save time on my breakfast. <laughs> you know, like shit like that. 
No, no, he he is the person that makes the dumb. <laughs> yeah, he just like, he... like I, I thought of something. What if we did this instead? It'd be way more efficient. And everyone's just looking around like you can use a shopping cart as a makeshift grill. <laughs> you can use the bread tab from your bread and put it on a piece of tape, and it doesn't cause it's easier to get the tape out. Yeah, he's just seeing this new school year, even within the situation, as a chance to try out a bunch of ideas that he think would improve his life and the life of his fellow classmates. And that's really cute. Yeah, it's, it's, he's, you know, before we started this project, I would have said that I barely liked any of the characters in Danganronpa 1. I just forgot, like, how charming every single character, well, most of the characters are, like, just from the outset. And, like, I'm, I'm starting to come around on Kiyotaka just in general. Like, he's just such a fun character. Yeah, like, like these introductions are so strong. Like, 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 like this entire this like entire scene at the beginning where like you where like you go in and get introduced to like the rest of the class is such a good scene with some really good character writing. Uh, okay, our next character is the ultimate gambler, Celestia Ludenberg, um, otherwise known as Celeste. In Japanese, she is voiced by uh, Hikaru Shina. Um, who voices Hikaru Shido in Magical Knight Rayearth, Rockman in Mega Man Power Battles, um, and Amy Shono in Girls in Panzer. Um, in English, she's voiced by um, Marie Harrington. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, Hanaka Kosaka from Love Live. Um, Terrible Tornado in One Punch Man, and Wadley Penguin in Doc McStuffins. Which is, which is uh, a a difference. Yeah, I I I have fun going through these actors' IMDb pages and just finding some of the weird stuff that, like, you know, hey, your voice actor got to make a paycheck. I'm sure she does great as fucking Waddly Penguin from Doc McStuffins. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Jed, you 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 listen to the to the English voice acting, did she sound like someone who would voice in a children's show? No, she had this aristocratic thing going on. Um, I, I guess you could I guess you could twist that into something that's a bit more child-friendly because she does a lot of light-hearted laughs that kind of have a bit of edge beneath them. So I assume if you just remove the edge, that would work pretty well for a kid's show. But uh, yeah, that's quite the difference from a... Um, survival horror detective novel game to a uh wadley yeah. penguin to to a wadley penguin in a show about a little girl who patches up stuffed animals yep <laughs> that's a cute that's a uh, real talk that's a cute concept for a kid's show i it's like that's that's cute so yeah celestia ludenberg is fucking great uh yeah she fucking rules i um during the daily life segment i spent i spent the time hanging out with her and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm not actually good at gambling. I'm just super lucky. And it's like, she's just a big asshole, and it's great. Like, I, I put a note on under her that like, I don't trust her as far as I can throw her, but I definitely respect her hustle. Um, She is like, yeah, she will be the first person that I accuse of doing murder, but, like, also, you know what? Like, hey, props on you. <laughs> I love like, her. I'm, like, every, every, like, every time somebody gets killed, I'm going to side-eye her. And she's probably not going to have done it. I don't know. Like, I don't, like, she's pro- she may- maybe she just doesn't find murder interesting. But you know what? I respect the hustle. Like, she probably will do it someday, and I can respect it. Yeah. 
I I didn't hang out with her during the during the free time segment, but I do I do really like the introduction of that kind of dynamic that like that like she she kind of gives off this this air of being very confident and good at what she and like and, and like a good ultimate, but she actually is kind of flying by the seat of her pants. She's she's like she literally she literally says like oh there's really only two things that happen when you gamble you either win or you don't and I win and it's literally just how I play Guilty Gear like oh you know fifty fifty it either hits or it don't yeah also also can we can we talk a little a little bit about about how she about how she's also introduced as the Queen of Liars that's a fucking cool title what a fucking great title. I, I want her to steal my life savings is all I'm saying. All all fifty dollars. Yeah, she looks like she's like from Kaki Garui. She apparently she was Gothic Lolita from like the very first draft, so good on the character designer for like nailing it in one. Um but she's supposed to be the most doll like. That's why her skin is like the palest of all the group. And her twin tails are just a wig that she clips on, not her natural. That shit rocks. Hair. That yeah, shit rocks. Respect the hustle. She, you know how long it must take for her to get like ready in the morning. Like, like Jed, six Jed, hours. Have, yeah, Jed. I have met Celestia like cosplayers, and they're just holy shit. And even the best part is you haven't even seen my favorite detail about her. But we'll, we'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jen, why don't you take the next character? Okay, so the next person we have is the ultimate writing prodigy, uh, Toko Fukawa. Um, she's voiced by Miyuki uh, Sawashiro. She plays uh, Fine from Symphogear, Carl Clover from Blaze Blue, Jolyn Cujo in uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, as well as uh, Amanda C. Miller, who uh, plays Sailor Jupiter in uh, Sailor Moon Crystal, uh, Baruto in Baruto Naruto Next Generations, and uh, Nine in Blaze Blue Chrono Phantasma. Yeah, also, also, um, Miyuki Sawashiro also voices Suruga in Bakimon Gatari. Miyuki Sawashiro is a very well-established voice actor. She is... Yeah. yeah, they're actually... I was kind of surprised to see, like, there are actually a number of, of these voice actresses who are also in, in Bakimon Gatari. Oh, yeah, Bakimon Gatari, yeah. Like, these these are, these are like, you know... I mean, Hikasa Yoko, uh, Miyuki Sawashiro, I know there's a character who's worth like Tima Saito... You have a lot of just a lot of high profile or at the very least like very like well known, very talented voice actors in this game. Yeah, she she also uh she also voices um Elizabeth in Persona Three. Oh yeah. So the uh artist, uh um Toko was her favorite character in the series and saw them as an expression of the game's worldview, which I, I could see. Like Toko is kind of this reserved uh character who is way into the stuff that she writes, but also generally regards other people as, uh... She's kind of suspicious of everyone, and doesn't like social contact so much, so... Oh, yeah, like, the the very first time you meet her, she says, like, not... It's, like, basically, I know you're gonna forget my name anyway, so I'll introduce myself. Like, very much down on her, so... I... I like that her... One of the notes that I put down yeah, uh, I well, I was a big fan of the fisherman when the hottest man pulled you to her book. Like that was a very good. Yeah, one. yeah, that that line is incredible. But also, like, I like that I like that her anxiety isn't played as like a funny goof. Like, it's not like oh, you know, 
like it's not played as like a funny submissive girl like joke or like or as like a way to make her like endearing in the oh i have power over her sense she's kind of like she's kind of portrayed as she's very messy and like very um she's kind of reflexively mean and i like like the thing is like these characters are all a bunch of shit lords but that makes me want to like hang out with them i definitely i definitely i'm definitely looking forward to see where they go with the, with her like uh persona of being kind of a shut like a kind of a shut-in jerk here's a question do you think she'll murder anybody um you know what I'm pretty sure that she's going to come very close, but I don't think she's going to. I think, I think here's the thing. I think that she's, I think that we're going to find like, oh, she's very scary, but she's not going to touch a hair on anybody's head. Like, like she's probably has killed somebody. I'm pretty sure she's done it in the past. And that's why she's at like Oak's Peak or whatever. Maybe everybody here has killed somebody and that's why they're there. <laughs> like it's a, like the secret, the secret subplot of all Danganronpas is that they're all purgatory and they're all murderers. Is that they all, is that they all deserve it? Yeah. They're all like, is that Monokuma is like Jigsaw? Or some um, shit like that. Yeah. But I don't think she's going to kill anybody in the series proper. I think she's going uh, I think she's going to just, I think she's going to be like, I think if she's killed somebody, it's been in the context of, oh, oh shit, that was an accident. And this is going to be kind of like one of the cases of, you know, maybe that's why she's such a jerk is that she just doesn't want people to find out that she accidentally put somebody in the dirt. And that's entirely reasonable because I wouldn't want somebody to find out that I accidentally killed somebody. Uh, strike that from the podcast. Oh, okay. I'll make sure. Oh, you're next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of next, uh, Jackie, why don't you take the next character on the list? Oh, sure. Uh, we are talking about um, another character that I would take a bullet for, uh, Aoyasa Hina. She is the ultimate swimming pro. Uh, she is the character who is voiced by Chiwa Saito, who is uh, who is voiced who uh, also voiced Anita King in the Reader Die series, uh, Taukaka from Blaze Blue, uh, Sigan Erster in Broken Blade, and ooh wow, a whole voice, a whole host of other voices. Like Google Chiwa Saito and name one character she hasn't voiced. Fuck. Um, she's all. Aoyasa Hina in English is also voiced by Cassandra Lee Morris, who uh, did, Morga- did uh, Morgana in Persona 5, uh, Toradora. In, uh, in the English dub of Toradora, she did Taiga. Um, and she also did uh, Elfelt in uh, Guilty Year. Uh, another Zybot. Well, I mean, we, we touched down that we're a big fan of Guilty Year. Uh, Toradora, like, Toradora, also a very good work. Um, so in the stage adaptations, she's she had seven di- different actresses depicted. I don't know what's been going on with the Aoi Asahina actresses, but like in like every stage version of Danganronpa, and yes, there's multiple stage adaptations of this game. It's fucking great. Uh, seven different actresses has played this character. Like, well, she's a character who contains multitudes. Aoi Asahina has multitudes. Yeah. Um. Just a big old pair of multitudes. Um, yeah, and she was initially designed to wear sweatpants until. Uh, Yoshinori Terasawa, the game's producer, requested shorts. Thank shorts, you, Yoshinori. Shorts, 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 shorts. Short squad. Thank you for joining the short squad. Short squad. Yeah. Um. You remember, remember how I was talking about about how Toko's voice actor Miyuki Sawashiro voices a character in Monogatari. Chiwa mm-hmm. Sato voices Senjo Gahara oh. in Monogatari. Also, she she also voices Hermura and. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, again. Yeah, she, yeah. You didn't know that? She was Saito's like all over the industry. She is. She's a big name voice actor. I I mostly put in like I I I think I finished after looking at Reader Die, Blaze Blue, and 
break broken play because those are my personal favorites but yeah homura that's huge like yeah she yeah did. did you scroll down shut up <laughs> Jen, yeah, uh, Jen, uh, Cassandra Lee Morris. I mean, we, God, we've heard this woman's voice a bunch. Uh, what do you think of her? What do you think of her depiction in this game? Well, it's been a while since I played the English version of this particular game, but um, I I remember her voice for Asahina being very good, especially um during some of the later parts. But uh, yeah. Um, she has she has this very bubbly persona that Cassandra Lee Morris does good. Um, does a good job. Um, emulating and um, also way into donuts, which is um same. <laughs> yeah, it's so so cute. Yeah, Cass- Cassandra Lee Morris uh is a very talented voice actress, and um, like even though like like. <laughs> She managed to take a character like Morgana and actually not make them that annoying in the context of the game. And she's voicing the fucking yeah. mascot character. Yeah, Morgana Persona 5 uh, is is very cutely voice acted. Like, um, Morgana sounds like a, basically a, a, a stuck-up little kid or a adventurous little kid playing pirates. And... Uh, one thing I'll quickly note, because I've listened to um, parts in English and Japanese, um, I think... Cassandra Lee Morris comes the closest to emulating Chiwa Saito's, like, depiction of Aoi Asahina. I think they are an excellent voice match. Um, but more than that, she, like, brings a degree to Aoi to make her a much more layered and interesting character. Like, she's she's just great. Um, it, they do mention that, like, Aoi is actually talented at more than just swimming. She uh, plays a bunch of sports. Uh, it's just swimming is kind of like her main, um, that's her, her main, uh, sport that she participates in. Um, before we move on to the next character, I do want us to rate, uh, Aoi Asahina's capacity to kill. Do you think Aoi Asahina could end a human life? Do you think she has the ability to pull the trigger, Piglet? If, if she, if she wants to kill me, that's, that's her decision, I respect it. Here's, here, let me pitch you this. Aoi Asahina is more than capable of killing every other person on the cast. Like, she could take anybody else in a fight, but here's the thing. She just doesn't think to do it, and she doesn't care about it. Like, she's just, she is just, she is just terminally chill. Like, here's my pitch. Well, I mean, she's not like, she's just jazzed to be here. Like, here's my pitch. Somebody could come at her with a knife, and she'll just be like, oh, hey, that's a cool knife you have. Cool. Um, thank you for showing this to me. And she's just holding on to it by, like, you know, by their wrist. And they can't move. Like, they would be unable to, you know, do it. And they would just give up and leave. I just feel like she would catch it in her fingertips like Goku. She'd catch it in her fingertips. Like, she'd, like, ultra instinct it and wouldn't even realize it. And just casually, like, she'd be eating a donut and you'd, like, throw a knife at her. And she'd, like, see she'd like see a penny on the ground just fucking Roadrunner, Roadrunner and Coyote style. Like, just duck down and pick it up You just... You it like you yeah. the, the whatever you threw at her just bounces back off of a wall and hits you in between the eyes and she's like oh no are you okay like exactly exactly speaking of characters <laughs> speaking of characters who could go ultra instinct and kill you instantly uh Jackie why don't you take our next character on the list oh it's Sakura Ogami the ultimate martial artist she's she fucking rules um uh she is voiced by uh, Kujira who voiced uh, Orochimaru and Naruto Otose and Gintama. 
and Ursula in the Japanese dub of The Little Mermaid. Uh, and she's also voiced by Jessica G. George in the uh, English dub of Danganronpa, who did uh, Buengo in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, uh, Stardust Crusaders, uh, Pan in Fire Emblem Awakening, and Pets in Sailor Moon. Uh, I'm a big fan of her design, honestly. I, it it treads a little close to haha mannish woman territory, but like I don't. I think aside from that one like aside in the beginning where it's like, oh, you know, I almost mit- mistook her for a guy. It's it's which can more just be chalked up to you know ignorance. Yeah, I think that was a translation. Yeah, more of like yeah, it's not like they weren't going. They weren't actively doing it. They weren't pointing a tra- an a- like an intentional like haha goof at her um right jen you said that they uh, kind of fix that in uh some of the other adaptations i wouldn't say fix so much there's 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 both in the manga version and the um anime version there's still that initial reaction from one of the characters where um they'll they'll question something real quickly but um that gets squashed rather instantly and the thing the thing that wins me over with Sakura and the way that she's portrayed in Danganronpa is the the game has a lot of affection for her, the way that it has a lot of affection for many of the other characters. So it's she very quickly moves from, oh, this might be a weird visual gag that is kind of uncomfortable to a situation where... Yeah, that was the thing I noticed is that she, um, is that at first I was like, oh no, here it comes, the man jokes. Um, it was, like, it very quickly went to, like, oh, no, she's actually, like, just a member of the crew. And I, I think she has a budding friendship with Aoyasuhina. I think that's, like, one of the things, like, I, I really like that, the, I, I really like that they're tight. Um, and I also like that the ultimate martial artist is not, like, just a beefy dude. Like, it would have been so easy to make, like, to design a dude, like, who just fucking looks like Ryu. And it's like, oh yeah, that's the old, or Kenshiro or whatever. Where in like Sakura Ogami's design is actually really distinct and pretty fucking cool. Um, I am really digging that scar across her face. Like it's really like she just like I want her to teach me martial arts. Yeah, I I dug up a note on her uh, from the art book. Uh, Ryu Komatsuzaki apparently would draw this, not like before she became Sakura Ugami, but would draw a character like this, this big built woman. Um, and she's very explicitly designed after like bodybuilders, but also Japanese gods. If you've ever seen pictures of those super ripped Japanese gods on like clouds and riding lightning bolts, like she is like Sakura Ogami is very specifically designed to evoke those uh types of gods and um i i feel like this is something we can get into like later in this series uh when it's a little bit more relevant but i think sakura's social link is one of the best in the game like i love her story and uh, sakura is just like i love her presence and like you said how the gang just kind of like accepts her very quickly is just sort of after after some initial misgivings they're like actually nah she's cool <laughs> yeah we uh yeah we we like very like it gets it transitions away from that very quickly and it doesn't like it it doesn't entertain that notion um her english voice actor uh jessica g george is currently married to leon's english voice actor grant george did we already talk about her voice actor? we did but that's one note that's like that's, a, that's like our that's like one of our 
That's like our closing note on her, like little fun trivia fact. Um, unless y'all, yeah. unless y'all want to. Can, like, can I take? Before we do that, we have before we do that, we have to discuss whether Sakura Ogami uh, has the capacity to end a human life. Can Sakura Ogami kill somebody? Obviously, she does. She just chooses not to. Yeah, that's 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 what I was going to say. Like Sakura Ogami has, uh, in my opinion, very Sakura Ogami can fucking fist the North Star. Like, um, but yeah, like. Like, like she, she's not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here but, with her. But Sakura Ogami's like Kiryu, like Kazuma Kiryu. She, she, she can kill you, but like she'll just kind of like beat you up a little bit and tell and show you why like coming at and why being a bully is a bad idea. I really like the character of uh, Sakura Ogami and um, the stuff that they get into with her and Asahina throughout the story. Um, is some of the strongest writing in this game by far, and I'm excited to get through those parts again. Alright, uh, our next character is the ultimate fanfic creator, Fumi Yamada. He's kind of a little weird hamster creep, but, 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 but also, like, 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 with this voice actor, they, they pull, like, a pretty incredible joke, because, because his Japanese voice actor is Kappa Yamaguchi, who, who voices Inuyasha, Ranma, Ellen Death Note, like, Conan and Detective Conan, Usopp in One Piece and Kuma in Persona 4. Like, the fact that this man has voiced, like, three of, like, probably the most famous anime twinks that everyone wants to bone, and then, and then he, and then he voices Hifumi Yamada. <laughs> it's such a fucking funny joke. Mostly for me, like, L, one of the greatest detectives in any fictional whatever, is voicing this fucking asshole. Uh, Tell us a little bit about his English voice. Okay, his, his English voice actor is Lucia Dodge, who voices Jafar and Magi, Amuro Ray in Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, um, and Sin Kisuke in the English dub of Guilty Gear Zert. Sign. So, more, like, more, more twinks and just protagonists. Like, just, God, this is such a, like... Hifumi is a very funny character from that specific context. Yeah, like I, I didn't, I, I did, I didn't think I, I liked Hifumi until I realized that his his Japanese voice actor was was Al and Inuyasha. <laughs> it's it's fucking great. Like, like in that light, uh, Yamada is is fucking hilarious. <laughs> he really is. Uh, Jen, what do you, what, Hifumi has a very, I think the English voice actor, I think Lucia Dodge does a fucking incredible job with Hifumi. Yeah, he's very much one of those sorts of, uh, he has this very comedic sort of warbly voice where, um, he's very, uh, he's very assured of himself, except when he's getting scared out of his mind or nervous around other characters, but, um, he's the kind of person who would, who you could likely... He would likely set you aside for an hour and talk about how his ship is the best ship of all time, and uh, if you disagree with him, he can scientifically prove you wrong through the canon. And uh, <laughs> this this boy facts this boy fact checks like fucking game theory videos and posts them on it the in the comment section. Like he is the living embodiment of well, actually. <laughs> 
Like, fucking, his shirt, his, like, tie is, like, the Reddit upvote downvote symbol. Yeah, also, also in his opening monologue, he compares himself to Van Gogh, unappreciated in his own time. He's kind of a creep. He's kind of a creep. Like, like, in my notes, he's, he's straight up, like... He is, like, extremely a creep, but also in a way that's very, like, like, good. I mean... I I mean he's yeah he's creeping he's he's creepy in a way that's like I guess uh it very much the text is very much dunking on him constantly for it uh like like during the same part where he compares himself to Van Gogh he admits to selling like a porn dojin in to at, like a school festival and getting escorted out um which is like <laughs> which is like what triggers the uh comparison to van gogh like oh they don't appreciate my my porn identity it's like you're telling you're selling porn you're selling porn at a school event like you can't yeah dog dog speaking of uh doujin uh in the japanese version his talent is super high school level doujin creator not fanfic creator i know it's like it's a weird thing like at first it's like wait a minute fanfic creator fanfiction is writing why is he in the same boat as Toko, but that's just because in the Japanese, his skill set is explicitly making uh, fan comics. Like that's kind yeah, of and like they can't exactly call him a por- the ultimate por- the ultimate porn comic writer. Here's the thing: the ultimate pornographer would have some very bad implications. I'd see him and immediately 360 and leave. Phase right through, th- phase right through those walls, right out of here. You would see him, and then you would see him in your dreams. Ultimate Pornographer is my favorite Weezer album. <laughs> Moving on, uh, last note. He's implied to be the killer in the first Danganronpa demo released on the PSP. Which brings us to our next question. Do you think Hifumi Yamada is capable of ending a human life? I, I, I feel like Hifumi is going to try and murder someone, but like, but like he, he's, he's going to... But he's going to end up getting murdered himself because he doesn't know how to do a murder. Next on the list, we have the ultimate clairvoyant, uh, Yasuhiro Hagakure. Uh, He is voiced by um, Masaya Matsukaze, who is the actor for Mega Blue from Denjin Sentai Mega Ranger, uh, an old Super Sentai series. Uh, Ryo Hazaki from Shenmue and Kyoya Utori from Oran High School Host Club. In English, he's voiced by uh, Kaiji Tang, uh, the voice of Shogo Kawada in the Battle Royale English dub. Uh, he was Detective Pikachu in the Detective Pikachu game. And currently, he is the voice of Joe from Megalobox. I like Yasuhiro Hagakure. He's fucking great. Smells like weed. Also, Hagakure has been murdered multiple times in non-canon materials. In both demos for Danganronpa and Danganronpa V3, uh, he is the victim of both cases. Which is very funny to me because it, it kind of implies that in some alternate timeline, his clairvoyancy doesn't help him at all. Hagakure is fucking great. Jen, tell me about Kagakuri's great English voice because it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, his English voice is very much surfer dude esque, <laughs> and it really it really ties well into his persona because he's this character. He's ostensibly the only adult in this group because he got held back several times, and he's coming into high school at the age of twenty one. He's this ultimate clairvoyant, but when it comes to clairvoyancy, um, it's already such a dubious art that. It, 
His whole thing is his prediction numbers are slightly higher than average, which means closer to like 25% or something. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of him just being a bubbling stoner type character, um, and I love it. I, I really like Yasuhiro. Yasuhiro is great. His first line when he introduced him is like, hey, what? Let's knock back some brewskis and talk about the civilization. Like, he, he, he literally says, we should grab some brewskis sometime and get real deep into Lemuria and its civilization. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really angry if he dies at any point. I just, I just want y'all to know I'm gonna be really angry. Here's the thing. I don't, you know what? I don't think anybody has the capacity to kill him. Yeah, like, you, you, you see his weird sea anemone here, and I don't know if he can die. Yeah, like, like Yasuhiro Hagakure has, like, such an aura of weed about him that, like, by getting within, like, five feet of him, you're instantly relaxed. You get a fucking contact high. <laughs> I, I feel like if you killed him, he'd just, like, walk out of, like, he'd just walk out of the nearest door and be like, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, no! Oh, jeez! <laughs> what happened here? He's all, I mean, I feel like he's immune to damage just in general, because, again... If you try and kill him, he will be like, he's just fucking Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Like, he will run through a door, and you'll chase after him, and then you'll just come out another door. And he'll get out, and he'll make a big sandwich with his dog. And <laughs> like, like, Yasuhiro Kagakuri is so marijuana. Like, I can't. Also, he would definitely share his weed with you, and he'd be great to talk about. Does smoking Hagakuri's weed give you superpowers? Yes. Absolutely. I, I feel I feel dumb actually even asking that question because of course that of course it does. I I feel I, I feel like I feel like Yasuhira is is gonna be kind of an island in, in the turmoil of Dagonrumpa. He's gonna be the rock. You're gonna see like a bunch of people freaking out about a murder, and Yasuhira is just gonna take a big old puff of dude, a big old puff of weed. He says, "Well, anyway, well, anyway, as I was pets. saying about the Lemurians." <laughs> okay. Our next character is the ultimate biker gang leader, Mando Iwata. His Japanese voice actor is Kazuya Nakai, um, who voices Roanoa Zoro in One Piece, uh, Toshiro Hishikata in Gintama, and Masamune Date in Sengoku Basura. Um, in English, he's voiced by Keith Silverstein, who voices Robert E.O. Speedwagon in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Simon Belmont in Smash Ultimate, and Charles and Char and Mobile Suit Go to the Origin. Yeah, there it's like this is uh Kazuya Nakai is actually one of my favorite Japanese voice actors. He is so good. Yeah. Like like his performance here is fucking great. Mondo, I actually really like Mondo. I wasn't expecting to like him this much, but I do. Also part of it is that I, I found it very charming is that is that like when when he shouts there there's like a there's like a little speech bubble. Which is a very cute detail. Also, can we just talk about how how in the beta designs, Mondo Awada's hair was a gun? <laughs> One of the uh, designs was literally just he has a gun on his head. I, I really wish they. I stuck think the implication was that his hair those, would change shape or something over the course of the game or something. I don't know, but it is a gun. Also, he's got kind of a similar hairstyle to Josuke Higashikata. Similar hair, and also like he also has a crazy diamond embossed on the jacket's back. And, and 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 also later, Monokuma insults his hair, and he gets really mad about it. Yeah, he seems to be a big old reference to Josuke, and I kind of like that a lot. Heck, heck, uh, his uh, one of his voice barks in Japanese is him going yada yada does it, which is oh, that's again, that's to uh, Jotaro. Yeah, 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 
but I just mean like in general, he's just like kind of a living JoJo's reference. Uh, but there's kind of like a difference between like his English voice and Japanese voice. It's a little interesting. Jen, can you enlighten us a little bit? Yeah. Um, in the English voice, he's very much more what you would expect from a biker gang leader. He's very, he's very tough as nails and gruff and willing to start fights. Um, the um, Japanese voice is a lot more laid back. Like uh, he basically, yeah, he basically introduces himself to you in the Japanese voice with the equivalent of "Hey, so." Yeah, he he go. If I recall correctly, it's like like "Mando Awarada Yoshikana," which, if you know Japanese, is ba- is the equivalent of "Hey, sup? What's good?" It's like it's so funny. Like in the translation, they say, "Oh man, if I fuck with this guy, I'll end up at the bottom of the ocean." But like the two lines he says is basically "sup," and then he goes, "Hell yeah!" But like with a period at the end, and his hand is behind his head, like he's a little like little shy or whatever. Like it's very funny and very charming he he does uh he he is ready to kick ass at a moment's notice but also he's just kind of like i I think it has a lot to do with like how biker gang boncho type characters are depicted in japanese stuff is that they're actually a lot more laid back whereas in american like considerations of that type of character is like the gotta be like an american biker character is constantly tough ready to kick your ass at a moment so i don't know it's interesting um but yeah, Kazuya Nakai, I think he carries it very well. And that's not to say that Keith Silverstein doesn't do a good job. It's just like an interesting interpretation of that character. I like the way his eyes are designed. I do like those big old like under like those eyelashes, like the, the kind of like eyeliner look that he has going on and those big old eyelashes that go downwards. That's a cool that's a cool aspect of the design. Every character, every character has killer, killer eyeliner. Oh, yeah. I just think Mondo's is like really hitting out of the park oh my god you know what i just noticed about his design i love the stupid high collar yeah oh my god like how dumb You're that right. that collar is so fucking Jen, tall look at this <laughs> years. i didn't even notice that but holy shit that is a really tall collar justifyingly popped you could block a sword with that that is that that counts as head protection <laughs> um that functions if you button your jacket up that functions as a gorgeous yeah, plus one um, plus one to your ace holy shit yeah, that gives you a plus one. That gives you a plus two to AC. Okay, so next up we have the ultimate baseball star, Leon Kuwata. Oh God! Um, as as Jackie's sign will tell you, Leon Kuwata will fight will fight Mondo in hell for the title of just of hair that makes Jackie the most uncomfortable. Oh God, he's so gross. Oh, he's just really bad to look at. Is the thing I don't like him. Leon kind of, kind of feel, kind of feels like, 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 a, like another character where, like, his Japanese voice actor is like kind of a pretty fantastic joke. Because Takahiro Sakurai, his Japanese voice actor, he voices Sasori in Naruto, Rohan in JoJo's Part Four, Regan in Mob Psycho 100, Griffith in the Berserk adaptations, and Berlin in Fate Go. Also, also in. Also, in, in, in like in like in like a weird uh, like crossover, he he also voices Lan D in Shenbu in the Japanese voice actor in like the ja- with like the Japanese voice actor. Um, and with the exception of Reagan, I mean, Sasori, Rohan, and Mer- and Griffith, especially especially Griffith and Merlin, those are all fairly great. 
graceful and stoic characters. And Leon is, like, decidedly not that. That kind of carries even to his English voice. You want to read us our English voices? Sure. Um, his English voice actor is Great George, who voices uh, Shinjiro Aragaki in Persona 3, uh, Lancer in Fate Zero, and Azura Kira in Bleach. Which are all, like, I, I know none of y'all really played. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all very attractive twigs. Ve- whereas <laughs> Leon is, is, the, is the kind of character that, that elicits such a response from Jackie. Yeah, like, here's the thing, like, Shijira Aragaki is, like, a cool character in Persona 3. Uh, Lancer is cool. Izuru Kira is, like, it's so funny, like, the fantastic joke here is that both of these voice actors voice either, like, just cool characters with a lot going on. Yeah, they, they, they all voice, like, like the most beautiful Bishonen character you've ever fucking seen in your life. And he's voicing fucking Leon Kuwata, the ultimate baseball like, yeah, star. Yeah, like, 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 they all, like, like, they very frequently voice the most fucky character. H- have, have y'all seen what Merlin looks like in Fate? Extremely fucky. I'm just gonna post a picture of him for y'all. Look at him! <laughs> Look at this boy! He's fucking gorgeous! And, like, Leon Kuwata looks like a melee player. <laughs> he looks like... He looks like... Here's the thing. He looks like... He looks like the sort of person who would, like, at Sonic Fox with, like, hashtag I'm straight. Like, he's so greasy. This man looks so fucking <laughs> greasy! I mean... I, I, I mean, we're being very mean about his character design, but personality-wise, he's actually kind of a sweet character. Like, like he's actually kind of a good, like, nice person. Like, like I, I do, I do, I do like how, how like there, there's like this picture of him where, where he's like playing baseball and he looks incredibly scary. Like, like he's hitting a baseball so hard that it's, it's, it's like melting around his bat. And 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 yeah, like and, and like and like one of the first things he tells Makoto is, oh, I hate that picture. Leon to me is is like when I first played the game, I felt pretty apprehensive towards Leon for the same reasons y'all have mentioned. But going into it again, or spending more time with him in the various uh, adaptations and uh, things like that, I there's part of him that's really endearing to me because he's clearly someone who, from childhood, has been put on this path of baseball stardom and. He's done it so much that he's sick of it, and he wants to branch out and try something new. So, of course, his new look and things like that are kind of off-putting. But he's a teenager. He's trying to figure himself out. And him launching headfirst into this uh, grunge rock persona just to see how that suits him. I, there's something I can really admire about that. Like, he's he's just doing his best to figure things out, and he wants to... He, he's so tired of the things that he's been made to do all his life, so of course the things that he says about how his plans to basically become a singer and uh, find other people who can actually play um, instruments is kind of um, that that's really, that's something that's very hard to do in real life That's that's the equivalent of setting out as a writer and being like I want to make video games, I'll just be the writer and I'll find everyone else who can code and things like that <laughs> but um there's something I can really admire about that headstrong. I want to make a change in my life, so I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, like like Leon is definitely one of those characters that like I ended up liking a lot more than I was expecting to. And I think, like I from that angle, I can respect that type of character. And I think later games do a really good job of 
letting characters explore that headspace um like it's not just exclusively to leon you know what i mean like other characters kind of get to explore that in uh some way now here the now the thing is i didn't i didn't use my daily lifetime to hang out with him at all so i don't know i don't know any of this i just know that he's greasy and that i don't like him and that he just came off as like i guess it might have just been how i bumped into him a lot because he just seemed very suspicious to me like i talked to him when i saw the uh, motive tapes and whatnot and like that also that just kind of reinforced my dislike for him and i didn't really interact with him outside of that i didn't i didn't see him do nice things i guess so i I might i'm very biased against him also, he's greasy. He is a greasy boy, though. Speaking of characters that we all love and admire and enjoy, um, Jackie, do us a favor. You're gonna hit us with that, Junko. Oh shit, it's your girl, Junko. Uh, Junko and Oshima, the ultimate fashionista. I don't... There is very little about her that we can't let... That, like, isn't immediately conveyed by the words Danganronpa. By, like, like, she is the image that pops up when you, like, say Danganronpa, I think. At least for me. Uh, very iconic of the series. She is the most popular game character to cosplay, according to the Guinness World Book of World Records 2018. Like, holy shit. So she's voiced by Megumi Toyoguchi, uh, who did uh, Yukari Tateba in uh, Persona 3, uh, Winry Rockbell in uh, Full Metal Alchemist, and, uh, you know, Dawn in uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, the animation, of course. Uh, and she's also voiced by Erin uh, Fitzgerald, who voiced uh, Chie Saranaka in uh, Persona 4. Uh, Parasol from fucking Skullgirls, and uh, Chi Chi in uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Um, I don't know who I don't know who wrote in our in our collective notes that she's their wife, but you know I agree with that. And I that it was it was it, Jackie. It was was you. it? You know what? Yeah, yeah, she is my wife. I guess then. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I hey. I want to shout out her beta design because she was initially designed to be, I think initially it was going to be a Gangaro girl, but then they toyed with actually making her a black woman whose twin tails are actually giant afros and she had a microphone in her hand at all times. And I have to say, she that is definitely desi- like of those designs of the one that got away. That's not to say that Junko Inoshima isn't an excellently designed and realized character. I Like, I love Junko. Like, like, she's, like, I love that even though she's the ultimate fashionista, she's very charming and very, like, personable. And, like, saying, oh, hey, like, like you get the sense that she's been meeting with fans, like, all her fucking life, but she's, like, a consummate professional and knows how to deal with it, like, no problem. Like, if if you heard a news story that Junko Inoshima, like, fucking ripped, like, ripped into a fan or something, it was probably faked. You know what I mean? Also, I, I like I like kind of like she's kind of introduced by like she, by like the game showing you that that like she's been on a bunch of magazine covers and then like later in like the laundry room you can find like a, like like a stack of the magazines that she's been in. God, I love. Listen, I just want to say I fucking love her tie that's just like loosely draped down and just kind of goes like below, like it's just it just hangs there. It's such a good visual, like good visual thing it's like it's one of those rare times in which like a character is fashionable and it's like like we're told that she's fashionable and she's actually super fashionable too last but not least after we meet all our friends a shadowy figure appears on a board and you hear a mysterious voice telling them to come to the gymnasium and they all proceed to the gymnasium and you get this 
fucking incredible cutscene where the camera zooms across the floor of the gymnasium and appearing from a little box and waggling their arms and legs is fucking Monokuma. Monokuma, of course, is the headmaster of this particular uh, game that they've been in. And Monokuma is great. Monokuma is voiced by Brian Peacock, who uh, voiced Takato uh, Matsuki in in a bunch of Digimon in the Digimon franchise. He's one of the voices of Krillin. Uh, for Dragon Ball Super, and he also voices Monokuma in every game in the series. Brian Peacock is great. I, I'm not going to lie. I think he does a really good job, and we can kind of get into it. But he is voiced by the legendary Nobuyo Oyama, who the one note I have for her voice is Doraemon, where she Doraemon is a, for those who don't know, is a Japanese children's character. I've I've had somebody describe Doraemon to me as like uh, as like Japanese Mickey Mouse. He's a future cat who like helps kids out and he goes on adventures. This woman voiced Doraemon for twenty six years, did thirty eight films, seventeen hundred episodes, and thirty TV specials. It would be like if you booted up this game and fucking Jim Cummings doing the Winnie the Pooh voice. And she is very explicitly doing the Doraemon voice for this character. Like, if you watched any episodes of Doraemon, it's like, it's the exact same. Like, I... Yeah, like, it's, it's like, it's like, super out of place, and like, even the characters note that it's out, that it's out of place, but, but like, that, if anything, that kind of just makes it more, more ominous, I guess, and more intimidating. It's the fact that this character does not respect you in the least, and that's why they're talking like a fucking cartoon character. Yeah, and it works really, really well. Um, I love Nabuya Oyama. I have so much respect for her as a performer. Like, I can imagine, like, uh, being a voice actor and being able to work with her would be like if any of us got into a voice acting booth and fucking Jim Cummings was there. Like, this is the... For many Japanese people, she is the voice of their childhood. She is the voice of the character that fucking sang songs that put them to sleep or, like, taught them important life lessons and shit. And they are voicing a genocidal fucking teddy bear. And it's so effective. So she... She voices Monokuma for the um, first two games and um, Ultimate um, Ultra Despair Girls. Unfortunately, though, uh, Nobuya Oyama was diagnosed with dementia in 2015, and she had to give up the role. But I, I really wanted to shout her out because, like, she's just fucking incredible. And, like, you, there's a really cute YouTube video of her holding a Monokuma plush doll and just doing the voice. Like, it's really charming and really great. Like, she is so accomplished and so incredible. Um, And again, Brian Peacock is no slouch whatsoever. Jen, tell us a little bit about Brian Peacock's performance as Monokuma. Yeah, so I'm not that familiar with this stuff outside of Danganronpa, but I love his Monokuma. It's very very sing-song in a mischievous way. Like, while... While um, the Japanese voice sounds sort of like a child that's very mean and uh, is enjoying just doing their thing, um, Brian Beacock takes a certain level of uh, 
what what sounds like sadistic pleasure in everything he does in this role. Um, and he's very over the top and theatrical, and he talks a lot like this. And uh, Jen, like I, I, I'm serious. You do a really good impersonation of that voice, and Brian Peacock really does a does a really good job. Like he doesn't necessarily voice match for um, Nobuo Oyama. Um, he kind of puts his own spin on it, but it works. It just works so well. Yeah, and there's there's something to the particular way that he laughs, too, that is uh, incredibly unhinged in a entertaining way. Like, it it's really hard to get a good villainous laugh in a lot of media, and he knocks it out of the park every time. Yeah, and I love... Uh, Nabuyo's like like the way she goes ooh, boo, 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 and um like her cackle because there's occasional voice lines where Monokuma will do the childish ooh, boo, 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 but then go to a full on like evil Monokuma gives the kids an ultimatum. You either live your lives here, together, forever, or you must murder one of your fellow classmates and leave this school. When we come back from the break, we will discuss the first chapter of Danganronpa 1. So, Monokuma lays it all out for these kids, right? Says, listen, if, like, he be, he does, uh, he sets it up by going, hey, uh, we've provided for you, you can have a nice solitary life or whatever, but if you want to get out, you can, uh, you can do this, just one thing, one quick thing, you know? One, you know, his, like, BuzzFeed article, it's like, oh, one neat trick to get out of Hope Speak Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, commit murder. Uh-huh. Commit murder and end a human life. Yep. And I really love the shot when that like reveal like happens in which like it's all the characters just looking at each other and going like, "Oh shit." Like they they all kind of have real collectively realized that like with the rules somebody's going to murder somebody or because, like, law of large numbers with those 16, like, 15 kids, right? Like, someone might, right? So I actually really like that Celeste, like, first, like, kind of cuts through it. I don't know if she says this first, but she, like, already starts proposing, like... Oh, I, I'm thinking of the rules she proposes during lunchtime. Um, anyway, so the kids are understandably pretty freaked out. Mondo gets so angry that he picks up Monokuma and uh, starts violently shaking him around. And at at some point, you start hearing a little, um, yeah, you start hearing a little beeping noise. And uh, someone's like, 
dude, throw throw Monokuma. You do not want to be holding that right now. And he does in midair, Monokuma fucking explodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, uh, is Monokuma gone then? And then another one instantly pops up and goes, hey there. Monokuma is very insistent that you are, that he is not a stuffed animal. Yeah, based on the way that he kind of art- can articulate and uh, explode, he seems closer to a robot than a stuffed animal. Is he a robot, though? Is he? Well, he's not a real bear. What? No, he's not. Hey, hold on. What? Were you under the illusion that Monokuma was a real, like, Wait, uh, a, an, a, a bear? Like, Hold hold on. Does uh, I thought I thought bears exploded when you threw them. You know what? Shit, I might be wrong. I, Have you, know, you ever I, thrown a bear? Actually, yes. What? Um, <laughs> Uh, Listen, some crazy shit happens in the woods. Um, so after that, um, so everybody gets uh, understandably freaked out. And I remember Mondo uh, punches Makoto and he wakes up in his um, room, right? And after you, like, explore the room that you find, like, the only way to really... You're expected to clean yeah, up. walk off that concussion. Yep. Just walk it off. Come on, champ. Walk it off. Um, Come on, slugger. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. We believe in you. Don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch, Makoto. <laughs> Come on, Makoto. <laughs> That's Come like on, Makoto. What are you? What are you? Some sort of puss lord? Come on, just walk it off. That's walk like... off that brain damage, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So you wake up, and I actually there's like a really cute touch where like in the it, it starts giving like UI elements. Um, like after you get your um electronic handbook you actually get access to like the game's in-game menu which is really cool um but it says time up unknown in the upper left but then when you go to talk to sayaka uh in the uh lunchroom um and you observe the clock you know it's like oh shit it's already 7 p.m and it instantly changes like on the screen goes it's nighttime <laughs> which is uh it's cute it's bedtime bitch yeah they do a lot of fun things with, like, the UI in this game. Although, I, I'm just not a fan of the React system. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, in other games, they pretty much get rid of it, so it feels like a superfluous layer of the UI. And um, it it's more or less expects you to use it all the time, and so you're more or less getting the same... You're, you're more or less getting the same thing that would have happened if it wasn't there at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of pointless. Yeah, like I I like the idea of the React system. I think it's interesting to have like like the uh Hotel Dusk games uh use that type of system, wasn't it, Jen? Yeah, Hotel Dusk does a lot more interesting things with it though. Um especially in the second one because sometimes hitting the React button is not the right way to go. Like one of your one of your friends may be talking about something and you're supposed to ignore his bullshit or also get caught up in it, so the react button is there, but you just have to keep paging through being like, nope, not listening to you. Yeah, you kind of have to, like, not press him, otherwise he'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, like, Sayaka explains, like, what's kind of been going on, and the kids have looked around the school, and they they are trapped. Yeah, there's, uh, apparently they, like, they, they, they do say that, like, oh, yeah, you know, there, the doors uh, that lead upstairs are are like barred shut, but we can, that's presented as an option, potential venue of escape. But I like how it's not reliable. I like how it's uh, like the argument could, then, could be 
rather logically made from the from the student's perspective that you know hey you can try to break out but who's to say that's not a violation of some unheard rule and that we and that you won't just get killed for it yeah like they absolutely mentioned like the school rules that the punishment for breaking the school rules isn't like detention or a you know demerit slip you li- they fucking kill you they fucking they end just, your life Ma- monokuma produces a gun and just fucking <laughs> kabang <laughs> you dunsky yeah um, listen i don't want to get fucking shot by japanese mickey mouse oh <laughs> <laughs> you broke a rule uh-huh. oh your shit's fucked buddy <laughs> your ass is ass your dick is dirt your mouth is motherfucked <laughs> Yeah, I actually really like that as your, um, so at one point you actually go back to your room and you, like, investigate your room, and you find out that your door is, um, not locked properly, or, like, it locks, like, they give a detail that only the girls' bathrooms, like, have a lock on them, um, but, like, Makoto can't get into his, and when he tries to, like, uh, wiggle it open or whatever, Monokuma just shows up and says, like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, it doesn't fit in the door frame, huh? Well, you just kind of pull it up, and then you push. Yeah, um, by the way, here's this extremely specific set of instructions to open this door. This totally will not come into play in a future uh, event. Anyway, and, Jed, what exactly does Monokuma say before he leaves? Oh yeah, um, the exact words that he uses is, I don't want to be here anymore. See you. Peace out, idiot! Also, also, also one of the first things that that he says when he comes in is, Makoto Negi, this is super duper majorly bad. So bad it's almost magical, which really reminded me of Killer7. Yeah, you could definitely feel, I don't know, um, Kadaka has ever collaboed with a suda 51 but there is definitely that suda 51 just bizarre style like it wears its influences on its sleeve yeah i mean the composer was in a lot of suda games so that's true so i imagine there was a little bit of um crossover um uh, speaking of really good lines i'm kind of thumbing through like my screenshots and when the kids are kind of discussing um you know, what they've discovered since Makoto got knocked out. Um, they're talking about, like, oh, there's no escape, and Hakakure is like, man, if I got stressed every time something like this happened, I'd have ectoplasm shooting from my mouth. Which is really great, because he's seen a bear explode, he's seen, like, threats of murder, he's seen a lot of shit. Like, Hakakure still is convinced that this is, like, some bizarre hazing ritual from the school, like, which I don't think we touched on, but, like, at this point in the story, he just believes that this is just a weird, like, orientation ceremony. Like, I've been to school orientation ceremonies that usually don't involve, like, knocking everybody out and locking them into, like, a fucking school. Also, also, there's a fun line where Monokuma is, like, explaining how, like, fast travel with the map works um he 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 says try to teleport inside any walls there's a chance you could get lost forever which is a really fucking good line i do kind of i do kind of like uh an additional note that like with the with regards to fast travel is i don't think it's specifically monokuma who says that. i think it might just be in the school handbook or something yeah the uh the way that it works um there's a bunch of tutorial text that comes up and it talks to you in a very personable matter. And, uh, yeah. And, um, 
one of the, and it's, and like it it's like oh yeah you know you can fast travel whenever except when you can't in certain circumstances and it's like it really is just kind of like kind of hammers in the idea of like I you know and I kind of agree you don't really want to be fast traveling in Danganronpa because there's there are people that you're gonna bump into and you can hear their barks and you can interact with the characters in in the overworld so like why would you just yeah and and also getting used to the layout of the map I think kind of seems like it'll be important like it, it kind of seems like the game wants you to form a kind of a relationship with, with these especially places. especially considering that like like we get into it at a certain point but like when you know def i think they play with it in this game but definitely in like the later games like they play with like the physical space that you are in and how that relates to the mystery of like who murdered who you know, where you have to like start figuring out, okay, who went where at what time. Um, it's it's interesting, and I actually really like the design of the school as well. Like again, this is a port of a PSP game, so if you're playing it on PC or even Vita, you notice it's a little sparse, but that's kind of okay because everything has like super harsh lighting. Uh, in a way that kind of helps you figure out, like, oh, the purple lit areas, those are the classrooms. The red lit area is the mysterious red door that totally won't come into play at some point. Yeah, yeah, like, the weird harsh lighting kind of kind of gives me the vibes of, like, an art installation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, And I do like it's uh, the first person, like, you know, the, the whole idea of the game being played in first person uh, definitely gives the idea that, you know, this is like calling back to, you know, old school dungeon crawlers, like the, like, OG, OG Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. Hey, yeah. speaking of first person, Makoto Naegi is really fucking short. Yeah, he's <laughs> Such a small boy. Yeah. Just a, just a bite-sized lad for when you're on the go. Yeah, you... Um, He's a little bite-sized lad, and even in the pictures, like, there's that panned-out shot in which he just looks absolutely tiny. Um, oh, yeah, he's minuscule. Um, do you think he started wearing the ahoge to, like, give himself, like, an extra, like, uh, inch or two of height? Oh, absolutely. That goes without saying. Yeah. That that goes without saying. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. That's, That is exactly what happened. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about what happened after, after, after all the introductions. Let's talk about let's talk about um hey should we should we segue to daily life or yeah let's uh, talk about daily life and then we'll go into Sayaka because that's kind of like the main thing but um, so who so actually speak who so speaking of Sayaka mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what I did first who'd you hang I, out with I am so I hung out with Sayaka twice and then Celeste once um Sayaka is I kind of like the um. I kind of like it that she's like, oh yeah, you know, she and Makoto knew each other beforehand, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah, very much the um, eponymous childhood friend. Yeah, like the the kind of like, oh yeah, the childhood friend thing, and I think that's that's and that's why like it's it, it that's that, and I think that all works up to this idea of like you know, um, Sayaka is very much pitched as a character that you want to protect, um, and God, I. I fall hook, line, and sinker to all of that shit immediately. Like, I am the weakest person imaginable for, for that sort of, like... Well, I think that, like, the way they do it actually works really well, because, you know, part and parcel, 
to to um Danganronpa as a series is about like endearing you to these characters and like really like for like really playing with that relationship like in a way don't know how to describe it other than like i don't necessarily fall for the like bashful you know oh the bashful emoto type or the whole like childhood friend archetype but like for sayaka it just kind of sayaka works well, it's it's not even like th- that she's bashful. It's more that it's like you know when a character expresses vulnerability and is like, "Hey, I need to get out of here. Please help." Yeah, like I immediately jump at it. Like I will listen, listen, Sayaka. Don't fuck. Away. I will fucking die for you. Yeah. Okay, hey, great. Listen, you, we have spent. We have spent. We have spent. I've known you for thirty minutes. I will die for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, great. That, Take this knife. That's like it's like kind of a thing about it is that it doesn't really lean that heavily on the whole childhood friend thing. Like that only comes into play like later. Like like for like 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 for the most part it it's it's the game actually doing the work to get you to to care about this character. Hey, actually speaking of the childhood friend angle, um here's a thing that we should appreciate. When, um, in, in Black Root Middle School, I believe it was, when, uh, Sayaka and Makoto knew each other, um... Are they telling the fucking or when duck they were... story? So, uh, it is not a duck. It's decidedly not a duck. Oh, so, um, what? Makoto Naegi is a small, small child. Um, Maizano Sakura sees him, do, he, he's in charge of taking care of the animals, and there's a, a bird, a big bird, wandered its way into the pond and was drowning. So Makoto took this thrashing bird and pulled it out of the water and led it back into the forest. And I have a question. Do y'all remember what kind of fucking bird it was? Because Sayaka asked me that. And I was a little concerned. And I was just like, well, this is just the biggest bird on this list. Um, You know what? I'm going to cut y'all off. You're not even going to get time to answer this. It was a Japanese crane. Aren't those Do you like- know how fucking big those are? They are five feet. Tall. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not. This fucking child. Like, I think that's great because that's one of those things where, like, you know, oh, it was a crane, and then it just never gets referenced again. But, like, if you think about it, Makoto Naegi took this five-foot-tall bird, think, think dragged that- it out of a pond, thrashing, and let and just walked it into the fucking woods. What is wrong with this kid? <laughs> uh, even, even as a little kid, he was a problem solver. And whose fucking demon child is this? Uh, I also. Go ahead. I mean, there are other two solutions here. Makoto is either fucking ripped, or or he paid off the bird. Well, if you watch the anime, you know the the first part. <laughs> so, um, I, I think it's interesting that uh, this. Um, that Makoto Naegi and also the main character from Nine Nine Nine, they both are anim- their their backstory is both animal caretakers. That one of the other characters uh, ended up seeing them do their job and became instantly infatuated with them. I d- I don't think wrangling large birds is your job when you are a when you are an animal caretaker kid in the middle school. I think they intend more hamsters. I think the idea is more like, oh, hey, we have a class hamster. Please take care of him, Makoto. Not, hey, hey, holy shit, a dinosaur. Wrangle that shit. Maybe, maybe. Hey, he... a five foot tall bird that's carnivorous. He... Do you want to <laughs> wrangle it? Here's the thing. Y'all down for some bird wrestling? <laughs> wrangle this fucking ostrich. 
Maybe. Maybe. Hey, Makoto Naegi, there's a cassowary outside. Here's Wanna a rope. fucking square up? Wanna beat that bitch here's in the ring? <laughs> hey, Makoto Naegi, here's a cowboy hat, some, some fucking <laughs> chaps and a rope. Go to fucking town. Good luck, dude. Good luck. Oh my god. Hey. Hey, Makoto, there's a fucking Zapdos outside. Want to square up with it? Oh, yeah, I, I do. got extra MMA gloves. And extra Pokeballs. No, no Pokeballs. You have to KO the Zapdos on your own. Uh, Alright. Oh, my God. Fuck you, Makoto. You have to take this shit down with your bare goddamn. <laughs> so, Chad, you had mentioned that you had completed. Also, he's 12 years old. Also, he's like, under- he's like 12 years old at this point. We, can't- we cannot understate this. He is a small ass child. They have hand. They, they li- he just literally just runs out there and wrangles a bird. That's <laughs> he, he is a small ass child and a and a small ass teen. Here's the thing. Makoto Naegi, as a high schooler, is not five foot two. There is no fucking way he's more than five foot. There's no fucking way that cr- if that creep came back, it'd be it's, it'd be able to like it'd be able to kick a lesser person of his same dimensions his ass. Like no problem. Okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> we need to get out. listen. I need to wrangle this crane back into the woods. Bird Chad, WrestleMania. No, we, we are playing. Welcome back to the fucking crane game. Chad, you who did you hang out with for your social life segment? <laughs> um. So I hung out with uh, Mizuno twice as well, and um, I also spent some time with uh, Junko Nishima. Um. Tell us about Saiga. Huh? It was mostly, um, with, uh, Mizuno, it was mostly expanding some of the stuff that's already been said about her, um, you, you kind of find out that, uh, Makoto did his best to avoid her, um, (laughs) throughout, uh, middle school just because, um, she was famous or she was the cool kid and he didn't feel like he really, um, matched up to that, but, uh, she keeps telling him that I kind of really liked you, and I wish that you hung out with me, or at least said hi to me every once in a while. And um, yeah, it's you get. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what I was gonna say is, um, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, with the social life stuff, so Jen and I we're operating off of like save files that we have already used, so you got to like get further into her social link than normally like the normally is available to like the player like the first time and you mentioned something interesting about like how that plays out so the thing that differentiates Rappa one from the other ones is um it doesn't have the same degree of oh you can see all this um you can see all these social link stuff that you couldn't get to before you can only do you can only you can rank up to Mizuno by hanging out with her twice if you give the right gifts and um that's 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 actually an early tell that she not she may not be around as long because um oh it, yeah as soon as as soon as I hit like max like as soon as it's like oh yeah you know you got these abilities I'm like oh oh no <laughs> yeah. yeah like after hey, you hang Sayaka out- Sayaka please just lock the door in your room and don't come out please <laughs> yeah if you're playing it on the Vita um if you manage to give her a gift at least one of the times you hang out with her um. You'll do you'll do enough to reach her max level after two hangouts. You'll even get a trophy for that. And um, 
it's, it's one of those situations that's like, oh, yeah, I guess someone playing this for the first time, maybe that tells them a bit more than they should know. Yeah, at this well, point. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that I didn't do that then. I I, I hung out with Trunko and um, then Chihiro. Oh, okay. Um, so let's uh, we'll talk about. Junko in a second. Um, I hung out with Celeste exclusively because I um, I love Celeste. She's just such a good character. And again, I was operating off of my old save, so I was like, well, which social links have I not like completely explored? Or who I already only did like one or two steps with, and for some reason or another didn't get a chance to explore it further. So I went ahead and went to Celeste's uh, social link, and her social link is fucking great because her level two uh, social link is that she tells you a story. She actually asked uh, Makoto, it's like, hey, Makoto, have you ever played Mahjong? In which I'm a big Mahjong slut. I love Mahjong very, very much. I have two sets of Mahjong tiles in my room right now. Um, And she's and uh, Makoto, Big Mac is like, well, it's like no, I don't really, I I don't really know how to play. And she's like, oh, that's a shame. I would love to play with you. Uh, I have a most most interesting story, and and she describes a time in which she played a uh, mahjong with these weird glass tiles against a crazy millionaire and a silver haired boy, um, and beat them both, which is a reference to uh, Akagi, one of the greatest like a fucking great mahjong manga so like very explicitly wearing the influence of this character uh on its sleeve um funny enough uh there is a mode in v3 in which you get to hang out with all the characters and you actually do get to um finally take her up on her offer uh and play mahjong with her and another ultimate lucky student and um it's it's a cute little scene um, but then, like, her next link, it kind of, so something that's interesting about Celeste's character, and you see this during the, during the chapter, is that she is very quick to, like, say, no, well, let's adjust to this, you know, adaptability is survivability, and, you know, all that very sensible stuff, but every now and again, she'll just, like, lean forward, look at the camera in the musical stop, and she'll just go, we're all going to die here. And it's, like, not treated as a joke. Like, she gets deathly serious. And even during the social link, she's kind of saying, like, Makoto, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with me? Don't you realize what is going to happen while we are still in this? Like, there's something very interesting that, like, she is using this veneer of like survivability and even adaptability on some level to kind of push people away because she recognizes the like terrible situation that they're all in and is using that as an excuse not to get close to other people which is interesting because you know kind of one of the themes of Danganronpa is your relationships with other people and I find Celeste as an interesting representation of a way that you can react to, like, every character. Oh, yeah, it... Celeste fucking, like, Go ahead. God, the way she, like, I mean, you said, yeah, yeah, she point when she said, oh, yeah, we're going to die here, that hit me so fucking hard, it was like, oh, oh, okay. 
Yeah, she is. Like, it's so good. She's fucking great. She is very good. She's very much accepted the gravity of the the insane situation that they're all stuck in. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that, like, um, a lot of the characters just, like, of the characters, a lot of them, like, were either overreacting, and then they seem to get over it very quickly, whereas, so, where, like, but, like, I feel like that just, that conversation with Lila and Celeste kind of enhanced my uh, experience with the game a lot, because it very much emphasized, that, like, hey, that's just a video. It fucking rocks. Inez, Jennifer, you hung out with Junko and Ashima. Tell us about your time with Junko. Uh, so I only really hung out with her once because I was uh, focused on doing My Snow twice, and um, it was <laughs> <laughs> so was Makoto. I only uh... hung out. I only hung out with them with, with either character once because I I didn't realize that like the whole hanging out with them multiple times thing was like a mechanic for skill points or whatever. I still don't really understand that system. We'll we'll, we'll explain it uh, yeah. on camera or something. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, um, go ahead. Uh, Chico, the thing with her is uh, she's one of those... It's one of those situations where she spends a lot of time very, being very uh, pretty and personable in front of cameras, and when you're talking to her casually, she she's just irritated a lot with things, and... Uh, you keep mentioning things to her about, oh, I've seen you with this thing before and things like that, and she's like, yeah, that's cameras. Yeah, and and, and she and she gets kind of annoyed when you bring it up too. Like, 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 like when you hang out with her, like she kind of asks you, "What's your motive for hanging out with me, dude?" Any other daily life notes? Um, I hung out with Chihiro, and she mentioned like being bit by a mosquito. Oh, she she was. She she kind of brought up the idea of that there might be some kind of uh, uh, quote unquote naturey area in the suit that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, but, but Chihiro bit my mosquito, Mis- mosquito. Yeah. Good character writing there. Thanks, thanks. Anyway, so speaking, uh, so really, the big focus of this chapter was Sayaka Maizano. She gets the most screen time. You are encouraged to hang out with her as the, you know, daily life tutorial. And she levels up very quickly. And her story is rather intense. Um, And this is, she in a nutshell represents to me, like, some of the best parts of Danganronpa. Because at one point she asked Makoto, it's like, hey, can you hang out with me for a little bit? I'm going to find, you know, just something to defend myself with. You know, she's very practical. You know, it's like, eh, help me find something. So you explore the school a little bit. You go to a gym. You find a gold-covered sword um, that, like, sheds gold all the time whenever you fucking touch it. But Maizano starts telling this story about, like, how she kind of had a little bit of a rough upbringing, um, but saw idols on TV and wanted to be like them. And she kind of gets into this, like, story about, like, she gets, like, practically thousand-yard sale. I mean, she straight up has a panic attack ahead of, in front of me. Like, she very much goes, she, you know, she's like, hey, you know, like, the gravity, like, you see in real time as, like, I think that's one of my favorite, I think that's my favorite scene so far, because you see the gravity yeah. set in, 
in real time through her dialogue. Like, it hits, it hits, like, the fat, like, God, it's good. It's just, she, she goes from, like, yeah, like, like, it, it, it hits like a truck. Like, so, so the synopsis of what goes down is that she, uh, she tells you, okay, like, as you're, you know, kind of rummaging around the place to find something to defend yourself with, she goes, you know, she begins telling her, telling your kind of life story, as you said, but rough upbringing, uh, she eventually did become an idol. She kind of crawled herself her way up from the bottom and she had to do a lot of shit that she's not proud of to get there and it's they never go they don't go into it and that's very that's very tasteful and i like that yeah a lot. for the, occasionally dagarapa has some very untasteful not very well thought out writing they nailed like saika's uh, storyline by just yeah like makes you immediately realize like you can only imagine the things that she's had to do to get where she wants and how desperate she is that she wants to hold on to it. Yeah, like, there, there's a line in there where she says, you have to keep on swimming against the current without even taking time to breathe. That's the kind of world my dream lives in. Yeah, and she's very much, like, deathly afraid of being forgotten and also, like, she's in, like, now that she's trapped, you know, she has no idea what's going on outside and that she, you know, is... You know, every moment that she's in there is a moment that she's out of the spotlight that people are beginning to forget about her. That's like one moment that she's been uh, kind of behind, on the on the back foot behind. Yeah, like the, the 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 line itself is, "While I'm in here, the world out there is forgetting about me," and that's like such a much more relatable. Like that's the thing. Like at first, you think with Danganronpa that like the universal fear every character has is death, which is like. I mean, fear is a very universal... Like, death is a very universal fear. For yeah, death's a pretty scary shit. But, like, it's the specifics of death that they care about. Yeah, and she's like, I'm worried people will forget about me, and I'm worried about, like, being forgotten, and how that, like, she has that severe panic attack over that. Like, yeah, like, also, this is, like, the first time that we've really seen her smile and her mask, and her mask slip. Yeah. Also, like, as an idol, also, like, she talked about how as an idol, like, you know, she really, she was, in, she really enjoyed being an idol, how that was very important to her, and that, like, you know, she doesn't want to give that up, and I think part, like, I think part of it is, like, you know, she views, I mean, of course, like, the idea of, like, well, if she dies, you know, she's gonna not gonna be an idol anymore, but, like, also the idea of, like, let's say she does get out, well, however long she she doesn't want to be in there long because if she's let's say she let's say she drops out of the public let's say they're in uh the the school for like two three years before they get rescued you know in in like or like even just a year you know in a year an idol can go from I would even I would even argue months yeah like, like her lifespan is like in month is like in under a year she has under a year to get to get out of this situation. As much as we enjoy things like Love Live and Idol Master and things of that nature, the the idol industry fucking sucks. Idol, like yeah, it is. Like abs- here's the thing: there is an i there is an i there's a whole controversy in there now in, in the industry now that there was an idol who was um I don't th- I don't even think it was because she had a boyfriend, but she got harassed by some like she had a like an actual stalker fan. Who would who was getting really aggressive and violent with her? Like pulled a and knife on her, I believe. Pulled a knife on her, and then she had to go up on stage and apologize because 
for making her fans upset. Yeah. It because is. she had a knife pulled on her. It's not even her fault. It's just the industry is fucking horrendous and abusive towards women. Yeah, like, that is, like, and Sayaka Maizano definitely feels like a, like, willing to not even glamorize this thing that has been hyper-glamorized. She feels like a participant, she feels like a participant in that, in that industry, that you are seeing parts of her that aren't, you know, the stage person, you know. Yeah. You are seeing, you are seeing, after that idol went out and apologized, she probably went back into the back, the back house. And fucking bawled her eyes out because I can't imagine the like how much how painful doing that. If you want, if you and want, you're seeing that aspect of Sayaka. Yeah, if you want to see a really great scary movie on like this, just an evisceration of idol and fame. Um, fucking watch uh, Perfect Blue. Uh, I saw. Yeah, I was gonna say it's I saw, very perfect. I saw it with Jen, and Jen can attest how many times I squeezed her arm because of how scared I was. Indeed. It was a lot. Um, anyway, so, it, it, although it is very funny that, like, after she kind of, like, has this heart-to-heart with Makoto, like, he kind of suggests, like, hey, let's hey, let's do something to kind of di- dial it back down. And she's, like, she instantly switches to, like, yeah, okay, let's go get something to eat. And <laughs> asks, like, hey, what should we get? And she goes, uh, let's drink chili oil. <laughs> 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 It's just Oh yeah, they're like, Oh yeah, what's your specialty? She's like, Oh, chili oil and it's like What? That's what? <laughs> Sayaka, are you fucking She's you very so funny. Like, I really, um She's yeah, she's a very fun character. Yeah, so after that you kind of meet up with the gang once again. Um I think like the next day or so, like in the uh lunchroom, and then uh Monokuma is like, Hey, it's been a couple days, y'all haven't killed anybody, so I need to start providing a motive. Uh, which, by the way, the Mr. Mon- like Here Comes Mr. Monokuma song is very funny. God, that like, song is so much. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't do that. I should just put in a clip into the into the podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say, like... Yeah, I'll just do that. <laughs> you don't have to do... You don't gotta do mouth sounds. We can just put that in. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'll, just, I'll just do that. Establishes a really horror show nature because it's so off kilter and not what you'd expect from a situation like this. That it it does a very good job through music and sound design to keeping to make sure you're constantly on edge. Like not just through being scary, but just being outright bizarre in un unaccept in uh, unexpected ways. Yeah, there's also. There's also a mention during I think I think one of the breakfast meetings or whatever about um, a certain murderous fiend called Genocide Jack. Yeah, I was um, like they bring it up because Genocide Jack will be like like talked about later. I had forgotten that they started introducing that concept early. Yeah, like it 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 it, it feels very like auspicious. Like it, 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 it feels it feels very much like they're trying to bring your attention to it. 
I fucking love that they bring up Genocide Jack and they just immediately drop it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this, this must be that serial killer who killed a thousand people. Oh, that shit sounds fake. Mm, I guess it is. Bye. <laughs> it kind of is. Although, uh, to be fair, I think the good talk, everybody. Yeah, the Genocide Jack stuff. Um, and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more, but it's a little bit more relevant. But I feel like Genocide Jack, like that particular mention, feels like it is a like remnant of an old script in the beta of Danganronpa, known as the Trust. That took place in a warehouse instead of a school. And it definitely feels like that would be the type of thing that would be brought up is like, oh, some sicko has like taken us to a warehouse to murder us because the Saw movies, I don't know if they did particularly well in Japan, but it it they were every single one of those movies came. I mean, that's the pitch. For yeah, them. every single one of those movies did come out in Japan and were dubbed in Japanese. So I don't know. Um Anyway, I do love, I want to point out a really great line from Monokuma in which, like, it's one of the breakfasts and the kids are mentioning, like, it's actually during the Genocide Jack conversation, right? Um, in which, like, Leon goes, like, well, if they're the killer, isn't that, like, a killer of a problem for us? Which, oh, Leon. Um, <laughs> but then they mention, then they mention, like, hey, wait a second, we're, like, 15 of the brightest high school students in the country right now don't you think the cops would be on their way and monokuma monokuma is antifa because he says the police you're putting your faith in the police are you sure you're not anti-fascist <laughs> holy shit kiri no he's just, <laughs> holy shit <laughs> No, but he says no. He says the police. No, you're putting your faith in the police. Are you sure you want to rely on such an unreliable group of losers? (laughs) (laughs) Monokuma's like a super cop. Monokuma's like Monokuma is like. Fuck, he is he is extremely police. How the fuck is he Monokuma's like a literal actual fascist? He's like the exact opposite of anymore. Still. He took a bunch of literal actual children and locked them in a school and asked them to kill each other for his own amusement. That's fascist. So you say wait a minute, are you saying all right um anyway you know i got some conversation it's really funny um so monokuma leaves the box of dvds in the av room and mondo goes all right someone should go check that out makoto you should go check that out buddy i have total confidence in you like there's something very funny to me of uh mondo just being a big dumb coward like a lot, he's a little, little bit like Josuke. Uh, Josuke, a little bit. Anyway, Makoto uh slips the disc into the machine, and he's he. he this is one of the most effective moments of Danganronpa, right? Because it's first, it shows a video of Makoto's family, basically saying, "Hey, good job getting into Hope's Peak. We're really proud of you. Hope to see you soon." That kind of thing, right? And then there's like a cut in the video, like a. The footage has yeah, been... Yeah, it's just it's smash fun. cut. It smash cuts to, like, the room being totally ransacked and the and everybody in the photo being missing. And it's like, oh. Oh, and shit. Mono- yeah, and Monokuma pipes in 
and says, wonder what happened to him. You'll find out after graduation. And all the kids like start pouring into the AV room and the music in the scene is so horrifying. Like everybody. Yeah, it really cements how fucked that what was go what's going on is. And the thing is, those videos and like people forgot, oh, those videos can be very, very clearly fake. Like they could be very, very fake. But it doesn't but, matter because, like, I don't know who Because you don't it know. Out. You don't exactly. know. You, there's no way to confirm. Yeah, because we haven't mentioned it yet, but in this school, there are no windows. Like, all the windows are barred up, and the only source of light... We did mention it briefly, but there are no windows. There's no cell... They're, like, everybody had their cell phones taken. There's no reception anywhere. There's no contact. You, The entire pitch is that, like, you are all locked together. With no idea of what's going on outside. Have fun. Exactly. And the thing is, like, they they float the idea that those videos could be faked. But someone point, I think someone points out it doesn't matter if the videos are fake. All it takes is one person to believe that they are real. Like, all it, that's all it takes. Because then it introduces doubt and it introduces the possibility that someone will be motivated enough to kill because this isn't mentioned quite yet but i think it's an important precedent is that by the way the what they mentioned with the graduation clause in which like if you murder someone and get away with it uh you get to leave uh they forgot to mention that everybody else gets killed oh shit only the killer gets to leave and everybody else is it it's not like oh they're locked in forever no they are terminated that layer hasn't been introduced yet but when you're thinking about that layer it makes everything that much more intense um and so once again sayaka has like another breakdown and just runs out the room screaming and it's so well handled it's such a good sell. It's so fucking They don't good. even have, they only have to show two frames, play some music, and show one character losing their mind. It has instantly cemented the tone and just, god, it's so fucking effective. Yeah, like they, it, it's good that they start immediately with Makoto, um, looking at his videotape and reacting, because even he is instantly like, man, fuck this, I need to get out of here right now, and as it goes from character to character and they have similar reactions or some of them are in straight up denial being like, no, this has to be a stage production. This is, there's no way that this is real. This has to be some sort of prank. It cuts over to Maisno where the color of her pupils has completely disappeared and... Yeah, she is like, she is in grayscale at that point. Yeah, they do an God. amazing job of setting the tone immediately and making it believable that, oh yeah, it's on now. Whatever he showed to everyone, they are pretty much ready to go at it. Yeah, and it was Celeste that said, like, the fear of invisible treachery becomes the greatest enemy of stability. And this scene absolutely sells that, because, like, they were starting to get along, and this will be kind of like a thing during uh, Danganronpa as a whole, is like, when the group starts to be cohesive, like um monokuma introduces something to like split them up in some way but after sayaka runs off you get this like 
really touching scene between Sayaka and Makoto in the classroom. Um, like she is just emotionally raw because she's just had a super rough day. And she says to Makoto, you know, no matter what happens, please always be there for me. I need you on my side. And you get this sense that she's not like trying to pull one over on Makoto. She's not trying to like, oh, I need She's to- just vulnerable. She needs so she needs help. Yeah. That scene really works. You know, just- Yeah, like that's the moment where like any suspicion you might have about her kind of melts away because she's like legitimately panicked. Right. And it's like And terrified. Yeah. Of course, this scene is broken up a little bit by our friend Monokuma, though. <laughs> um, where yeah, he says some of the worst kid. things imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he basically comes into the scene where Maisno and uh, um, Makoto are trying to cheer each other up, and is like, "Hey, he's like, oh, do you have a boner? Hey, are you erect now? <laughs> yeah, and you get hey, to- Makoto, you DTF." <laughs> Yeah, and you get to see the first of many times where Monokuma's uh, sprite changes to a heavily panting bear, and it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, you mentioned- yeah, it, he showed up, and I was just, I remember I put in my notes, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, you meant, so this scene takes place in a, in a classroom, but you mentioned there was like a change in the manga, Jen? Oh yeah, um, since they're trying to sp- speed stuff along in both the manga and anime, they tend to... Um, they tend to change the scenes where things are happening. So when when he's uh, comforting uh, Maisno, it's in his bedroom. And uh, Monokuma pops up wearing a bathrobe and is like, Alright, can I join in? <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, there's there's like kind of a brief moment where someone mentions that like Byakuya went to check up on, on Sayaka, but we don't actually see him again. Yeah, you don't see him for a while. Um, like, he does. Like, you don't see like him till breakfast. He, he supposedly goes to check up on Sayaka. I think that's what like Leon says or something. But but we don't actually know where he went. Yeah, you don't see. There's him until like breakfast. there's like a pretty long period where we have no idea where he is or what he's doing. Yeah, like. Well, it's funny because, like, the way you say that makes you sound, like, suspicious of him. But, like, uh, to me, like, that scene, like, that reads as even tough, stoic as Byakya is. Even he can understand, like, somebody's having a fucking rough time. Like, uh, I mostly read that as, as as him smelling the blood in the water. That too. That's fair. I don't know. I don't think Biaki. I don't think Biaki did the murder. I mean, I'm not gonna say like, oh, I don't think he did the murder, but I, I don't think he did it. Um. Well, before we get to that, so after the scene in the classroom, um, basically later that night, uh, Sayaka comes to uh, Makoto's room and said like, "Hey, I'm really nervous. I'm I I somebody was jamming at my door and like trying to get in. Can we switch places for the night?" And um, 
Naturally. McCoy. That was the exact moment that I knew she was going to die. Yeah, pretty much. The death flags are just, like, the death flags were already, like, popping off hardcore, but this was the moment of, like, okay, we're setting up a murder. It was, like, I think the first time playing it, I was like, okay, either she's going to murder somebody or she's going to get murdered. I was I was very confident that she wasn't going to kill anybody, and it was just going to be, like... Yeah, so, know, the- so you switch rooms, um... Um, Makoto, Makoto, Makoto sleeps the night in Sayaka's bed. Um, there's kind of a note there about how, um, the bed smells like her, which kind of helps Makoto fall asleep. Which I think that's, that's like, that's like, yeah, it's cute. And, and then, uh, yeah, like, Kiyotaka, like, barges into the room or something. Uh, no, he just wakes up, because uh, something we haven't mentioned is that, like, morning and night is always denoted in the, um, game by Monokuma putting out a announcement over the PA, um, where he has his morning message, uh, where he says it's 7am, it's time for another beautiful day, uh, but then he also announces when it's 10pm and it's, uh, bedtime. Um, so he was just naturally woken up by the morning message, okay, yeah. and- and the um, understanding that Kiyotaka said was like, "Hey, after the morning message, everybody should meet up in the um, in the lunch room so that we can eat and discuss and you know kind of figure out our day, you know, which is a pretty smart thing to do in that situation. Like, I, I actually, it seems simple, but like, yeah, maybe it, it is actually yeah. a good idea to like everybody kind of touch base with each other. Yeah. So. So Makoto wakes up and he goes to and he he goes to um the cafeteria. However, there are two pretty notable absences. Say- Sayaka and Byakuya. Yeah, and then Byakuya like shows up late and he and Makoto is like, "Wait a minute. This is definitely a guy who shows up late." And Sayaka's the type of person who wouldn't show up late. And that is when you get the oh shit moment, and Makoto rushes to where Saika was sleeping. We see a destroyed room, and we get our first body discovered. That scene is heart wrenching. My stomach was yeah, my nuts gu- for my, like yeah. the rest of the night after re- after I i i'm i'm generally made of fucking iron but like i saw that and i just like that gave me pause yeah like that is such a it's a huge moment and something i like to mention is that the pink blood everyone thinks like oh it's a censorship choice right it is absolutely not a censorship choice. no it's choice. stylistic because like a big thing about darman ropa is the is like the surreal feeling of high stakes. Yeah, like, it's a stylistic choice, but also it makes it, like, extremely... It it also makes the blood, like, extremely apparent. Because it's it's this incredibly bright neon pink that, like, you can't miss. It's the first thing that your eyes go to. So, with that in mind, that was the last thing of... We immediately switched to our deadly life. Inez, Jackie... Who did it? Who done it? Uh, my guess is Ryakia. Um, 
I've been suspicious of Leon, honestly. Um, so when, uh, after the tapes were gone, at the tapes were gone, I kind of wandered around looking for Sarah because I didn't know exactly where she was, and I bumped into Leon, and I did talk to him, and he seemed like, really, like, he didn't, like, here's the thing, his reaction to it wasn't, oh god, oh no, oh geez, it was like, fuck, I gotta get out of here. Like, he, he, like, got, like, very, he seemed to get more angry than, like, than scared, and that had me go, oh, shit, this guy's gonna get violent at the first opportunity. And when I heard that, oh, this person's knocking on doors and coming in, and, like, these guys, this guy's knocking on doors trying to get permission to come in and do murder, that happens, and then we see a body show up, like, well, nobody else... Yeah, nobody else seems so specifically ready to kill. And my prior interactions with Leon, and I don't know, maybe maybe he's different. Maybe I'm getting the wrong impression. My prior interactions with him were that he seemed very he, he seemed very quick to go off and very quick not to plan things out. So of course he would go in and you and just like walk in with a knife, run in. There'd be a struggle because like it's a very suspicious way to try and kill somebody, and then like. You know, he and then he, he just leaves the body, you know, like, with a very hasty cleanup and fucks off. Yeah, with um, the knife left, left there. With the with knife left in body, yeah. Like, he, he like, it seemed very much like the sort of thing where he um, kind of very hastily made this decision because he wanted to escape and didn't really think about covering his tracks or doing it in a way that was like, um... Yeah. Calculate. Yeah, I think at this point, I think my two highest subjects on the matter are probably either Biakia or Toko. Because. Why Why do you suspect Biakia, by the way? Curious. There's such a long period where we don't know where he is or what he was doing. Like, See, I just thought that because he was a minor character. Segment, but that might uh, be it. He's oh, Biaki is not a minor. In like, his mind, he like, is certainly not one. Like, like he he apparently goes to check up on Sayaka, and then we don't see him until until like the next morning. Um, my other pit, my my second up, my second runner for who might have done it. Um, I don't think if. And then, and then you also, I, and then I, I, also, we don't actually see him in the classroom where Sayaka is. I don't think Biakia would be my second runner because I, I, I don't think he's, uh, I just, I don't think he's done it. Like I just, he just doesn't. I don't think he'd kill anybody. Because, but this might be because of like outside of game knowledge, like meta knowledge, because I know that like. He show I I know that he shows up in the, in the next game as a, like a fat guy, I think that's his new design is that he's like is that he stress ate a lot or whatever, um and I don't think he'd be showing up in the next game if we if we had an execute for doing murder and quiet. Yeah, but just uh, if you want me to introduce a twist, there is nothing against the rules to say accomplices are not a thing. Yeah. That's fair. That's that's one hundred percent fair. Yeah. Um I, I'd say my second runner would probably be maybe Junko and Oshima. Really? Okay. 
Uh, just because I absolutely, I see, I look into Junko, I look into Junko's eyes, and I see, like, she is absolutely fucking ready to murk anybody here. Like, she'd cut you, she would fucking, she'd put a gun to your head for a joke. Um, stone cold. Like, I very much feel like she's, um, like, I feel like very much she would be the secret murderer. Well... Anyway, ruminate on that. Make sure not to take too many presumptions before you go into the into the investigation because kids, it's time for us to do some investigative work. Next time on Ultimate Despair Reprise, we will be covering the investigation and trial of this chapter. I'm excited for this. Are you all excited? I am so excited to be proven right. Yeah. I've been wrong in my entire life. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm excited to see how y'all feel. I am the ultimate has never been wrong person. <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for joining us. I've been Kyrie. And I'm Jennifer. I've been Jackie. I will continue to, I will continue to be Jackie. I've been an us. Class dismissed. Yeah, it's like, it's like this bizarre chanting going on in the background of the song. Yeah, it it reinforces the whole just, horror it's just show. Fu- this is the fucking mouth sounds podcast. Let's get Neil C. C. Reagan. <laughs> All right, sorry. All right then.